Hello and welcome to episode 50 of the Cadaver Lab podcast. I'm Mike and uh, we actually have a lot of stuff for you guys today. Uh, of course, me and my many contributors who I am very grateful for have uh, put together, I think, a pretty good show. Um, we actually have a couple of new things that we're going to have for you starting this week. The first of which that I wanted to mention is the fact that uh, Aaron, the host of our segment entitled It Came From The Public Domain, um, is actually kind of resurrecting his dollar movie drive-in idea, yeah, which he used to have a site where you could go and you could watch public domain movies, and he put a little blurb up there on the site so you can read a little bit about it, get a little bit of backstory, and then uh, you can actually watch the movie in its entirety uh, right there on the site. And he's actually offered to do the exact same thing, except for we're only going to be doing horror movies, and we're going to host them on cadaverlab.com. So I'm pretty stoked about that. So keep your eyes peeled for that. Uh, it's actually already in the works, and I think all I'll have to do is just get on there and uh, make the post. So it should be up within the next day or two. Um, I'm not exactly sure which movie we're going to do first, but it definitely will be a cool one. So uh, definitely check that out. Uh, secondly, I've got word from Ferguson, the king of comedy Ferguson up there in Logan, he um, has actually sent over a, what what shall we call it, uh, let's say a, a screener copy of uh, the Cadaver tracks for Dust Till Dawn, and I've had a chance to basically, I guess, preview it, and uh, I've got to say it's awesome, and uh, that's going to be up within the next couple of days as well. Um, so those are a couple of things to look forward to. Uh, let's see. Just wanted to mention that uh, earlier today also, I was lucky enough to to co-host the show, uh, the Outside the Cinema podcast with Bill and Chris, and it actually went really well. We talked about uh, Cabin Fever and Cabin Fever Part 2. We actually did a full review of Cabin Fever 2, which, uh, well, I'm not going to talk about it here, so go over to OutsideTheCinema.com and uh, check that out. I, I, I think they labeled this show, let's see, uh, OTC Live. So and it, it was the one that was recorded on Valentine's Day, February 14th. Wait, for, the, for those of you who didn't know what date Valentine's Day was. Let's see, I guess that's about all that I have to introduce the show. Of course, we're going to be uh, having the normal segments we've got. <clears throat> Excuse me, we're going to start off with... Uh, Slasher Central, of course, Gray from the Dark Hours podcast is donating his precious time and sending over these awesome segments for the Cadaver Lab. I, I just want to make sure to thank him for all that because uh, I'm getting a lot of good feedback and people seem to really enjoy the first one. I think that uh, you guys are going to enjoy the second one just as much. This is for Valentine. It stars uh, David Boreanaz. I think that's how you say it. But I actually haven't seen it in quite a while. But I did listen to his review. And, uh, well, I'll just let him tell you about it. Also, and then we're going to go into Cadaver Classics, where Stephen from the illustrious JAFMP podcast and I got together and we talked about a movie called Carnival of Souls. And then we are going to have the aforementioned, it came from the public domain, where Aaron is going to talk about a bunch of slashers, including kind of focuses on one called Pieces, and uh, did an excellent job, of course. And uh, then we're going to round it out with the main segment of the show, and me and Johnny Krug are going to be tackling the topic of non-franchise horror movies. 
And uh, I've just got to say, we chose some movies that uh, I, I mean, love them or hate them, I had a hell of a time watching them and enjoyed it a lot. Now, I was going to be doing a big uh, comics segment for the show, and I never have gotten around to it. Uh, well, I've actually got, I, I've actually thought about it. I've written an outline to it, but it seems like I just haven't had time to record it, and I've kind of been putting it off because it is, uh, we, we have so much other stuff that um, I don't really feel like we need it, even though one of these days I'm going to record it and we'll throw it in the show. And also, I was uh, going to throw in uh, an interview that uh, me and a buddy did with an actress who is going to play Lilith in a movie called Evil Angel. And it's actually, uh, right now, it's only playing in uh, certain festivals. And it's actually going to be headlining the Salty Horror Film Festival, saltyhorrorfilmfestival.com that, that uh, we're going to be putting on in November. Her name is J.J. Newark, and uh, she's actually really cool to talk to. I'm going to be uh, actually putting the... Uh, I'll probably wait till next episode to put the interview with her on. However, if you go to saltyhorrorfilmfestival.com within the next week or so, I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but I'm going to put up an interview with her on... Um, we kind of have a bio page for her. So if you go to saltyhorrorfilmfestival.com, have I said the URL enough? And you click on special guest, click on JJ Neward, and uh, you'll go ahead and see the interview that we were able to do with her. Uh, definitely check it out. I'm also going to have a trailer for that movie up online here pretty quick as well. And it looks like a badass movie. And I'm pretty stoked because it's uh, from a guy, directed by a guy, put together by a guy, and a uh, his movie company actually here in uh, Provo, Utah. So, uh yeah, give me a little while. Give me at least till the 17th or 18th, February 17th or 18th, to, to go check that out up on uh, Salty Horror Film Festival. I just didn't want to. I just didn't want to miss the chance to say it now. I, could, I guess I could have waited to mention it till I already had it up there, but I figured uh, maybe I'd throw it up there and I could get you guys to go there in a couple of days. We've got a lot of stuff for you, so we will get right into it. Does someone want to be my Valentine? Hey, you want a beer? Or do you want to smoke some pot? We love premarital sex. brought me up here to show me your penis. Oh, that's so sweet. Do you feel that? There's love in the air here at Cadaver Lab. It's Valentine on Slasher Central. Rejected on the dance floor. 
at his high school prom and savagely beaten by his classmates, Jeremy Melton swears to exact revenge on the five girls who ruined his life. In time, the women forget what happened at that fateful dance, but Jeremy has chosen February 14th to show the girls he's back with a few nasty surprises in store. Who's Jeremy Melton? This loser from sixth grade. He and Shelly were friends? No, that's the thing. We haven't seen him in years. Why would he send a card? Because it's him. It's Jeremy. I got a Valentine the other day and it was awful. And someone saying that they were going to kill me and it was signed JM. Ours too, the card in our chocolates. Why would Jeremy Milton want to hurt you? Well, he attacked me at a dance in junior high and he got sent to reform school because of it. So Valentine was released in 2001 and is directed by Jamie Blanks, who many argue is a hack. His first film was a scream ripoff entitled Urban Legend. They are the legends we've all heard, the stories we've all told. But just because it never happened doesn't mean it never will. Urban Legend. If you've never seen this movie, I wouldn't really highly recommend it. It is a slasher movie, but it's done pretty poorly. His most recent movie is a shot-for-shot remake of the 70s classic Long Weekend, which is a very entertaining movie and was part of the Aussie exploitation explosion, which you can find detailed in Not Quite Hollywood, The Wild and Wooly Story of Ozploitation, a documentary that came out last year. I highly recommend it. Now, Valentine was almost directed by somebody else, though. And that somebody else was Richard Kelly of Donnie Darko fame. He was originally offered the chance to direct, but turned the offer down. Then we have leading out the cast, Denise Richards as Paige Prescott. Now, you should know Denise Richards. If you've ever seen movies like Wild Things, Starship Troopers, and perhaps her most famous role as Christmas Jones in The World Is Not Enough. Doctor jones christmas jones and don't make any jokes i've heard them all and for my money this is one of the better roles for denise richards she's really hot i mean she doesn't bear a whole lot of skin in this one like wild things but that's all the more better you mean you want to see her naked but you never get to in this movie and then leading out the cast for the men is david boreanis as adam carr and yesterday i noticed that my underwear was missing oh yeah don't worry about that that was me I like to try them on, you know. Makes me feel free. Tap into my, you know, feminine side. David Boreanaz is famous for his role as Angel in the TV series that was a spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And the interesting thing about David Boreanaz's part in Valentine is that his entire character role was shot in just two weeks. Less than that, in fact. He was working on Angel at the same time as this, So he came in, did his scenes, and then left, quickly as can be. (laughs) Typical of a lot of 90s type of movies, he was a TV star, and he just did a one-off horror movie. And then another significant role is Marley Shelton as Kate Davies. Marley Shelton is famous for her role as Dr. Dakota Block in Planet Terror, the doctor who was cheating on her husband with Fergie. (laughs) 
So uh, that's where she's famous from. And in this movie, it's kind of interesting to see she's 10 years younger and very attractive. And then it's time for... Skeletons in the Closet. At the start of the movie, we get a brief cameo appearance by none other than Katherine Heigl. Yes, reprising her horror cred from Bride of Chucky, Katherine Heigl gets murdered within the first couple minutes. Spoiler alert! But even if you don't know who she is, you probably recognize her from Knocked Up. I have something I really need to tell you. I'm pregnant. With a baby? Yes. Then what are you hitting on me for? And then rounding out the cast, we have Jessica Caulfield as Lily Voigt, who had previously starred in Urban Legend Final Cut, and then Jessica Capshaw as Dorothy Wheeler. Now, she is one of the main stars in the movie. She is pretty much one of the big red herrings of the movie, and she has this wild, toothy smile and cock-eyed stares throughout the movie. She's definitely not the prettiest of all the girls, but this is your cast, and a lot of pretty people... So let's get to talking about the movie. Well, the movie starts out with the aforementioned scene with Jeremy Melton asking these girls to dance with him, and he gets rejected. Then it cuts forward to a couple of years later, and the movie begins in the cadaver lab. This movie actually starts out in a cadaver lab with a really neat sequence, Catherine Heigl getting stalked and eventually murdered by the killer. There you get to see the killer for the first time, and what a neat look for the killer. Now, I mentioned Urban Legend before, Jamie Blank's debut as a director, and it was also a slasher movie, and it was also a rip-off or a scream knockoff. Well, this, you could argue, is pretty similar, but I think that he hit the nail on the head with this one. The killer wears this creepy Cupid mask, and it's very similar to Michael Myers in that it's a blank slate. It looks very blank. It's very creepy. And whenever he's about to kill somebody, he starts bleeding from the nose. He gets a nosebleed. So you see this blood drip from the nose in the mask, and it's just Really effective, kind of creepy, and really cool looking. Another signature of the killer in the movie is the creepy Valentine cards that he leaves all the girls. Roses are red. Violets are blue. They'll need dental records to identify you. Tis a well-known fact that beauty is skin deep. Savor the taste, you are what you eat. Well, that's sweet, I think. It's the strangest Valentine I've ever seen. So you get these cool rhymes, and then you get these cool constructed Valentine cards that move, and pretty neat. So let's talk about the movie. I mean, is it good? Is it bad? Well, I will first get out of the way the negatives that I've heard about this movie, and that I think are inherent in the movie. The movie is definitely not perfect. It is flawed. In fact, it is very reminiscent of a lot of the movies that were coming out at that time in the late 90s and early 2000s. This is before horror had really kicked off again. I think the slasher genre was being resurrected, but a lot of people might argue that it was a pretty lame set of movies back then. And this is definitely, this could be considered lame 90s horror. First of all, a lot of the gore in the movie is cut away from, it's not shown, and when it is, it's pretty laughable. There's a character that finds a decapitated head, and I swear, it's one of the worst decapitated heads I've ever seen. And then there's the other staple of horror movies, which is pretty much missing in this movie, and that's nudity. 
the only nudity you get to see is at an art exhibit in the middle of the movie. And there's even a scene where Marley Sheldon is in the shower and you still don't get to see anything, which is too bad because she is very attractive. But nonetheless, you don't get to see any nudity in the movie. And then there's the cast, which is both a plus and a minus. And why why I say that's negative is that it's very... It's very reminiscent of a lot of the movies that were coming out at that time. It's filled with TV stars or very pretty people that have gone on to bigger and better things. So that's kind of the negatives in regards to the movie and the time period in which it was made. There's also a lot of slasher cliches in the movie. One scene in particular exemplifies this, where the character Marley Shelton is playing is in the shower, and then she gets out, she wraps a towel around her, and she hears something in the hallway because her hall, her apartment door is open. So she walks into the hallway with a towel on, and she goes up to the elevator, and there's a creepy Cupid mask in the doorway. I mean, it's just why would she go out there based on some obscure noise in the hallway. It's just silly. And then there's, of course, the uh, scream syndrome that I mentioned last time. And this is where that you have a bunch of random red herrings. A lot of them don't make sense, especially given the end of the movie. Once you make your way all the way through it, a lot of them just make absolutely no sense. But those are the negatives. I think this movie has a lot more good than negative, to be honest with you. First of all, as I mentioned, the killer has a really cool look. Jamie Blank's last movie was Urban Legend at this point. And in that movie, the killer had this giant parka, just really lame. I mean, you could, it's like we know that we're getting to the bottom of the barrel when the killer's look is in a parka. This movie, he hits it out of the park. I mean, it's a really creepy look for the killer. And then there's a lot of cool kills in the movie as well. You get to see somebody's throat slit. You get to see somebody get a bunch of arrows shot into their stomach and then they fall 20 stories down a stairwell. And then you get another character whose head is forced on jagged glass. So there's some pretty satisfying kills. Now they may not be gore fest kills, but they are satisfying. And the movie also has a pretty darn good pace. It moves at a fast clip. There's not a whole lot of characterization in this one, but there doesn't need to be. The movie is just fun. And then, of course, I like the cast. I like David Boreanaz. I like Denise Richards. I enjoy watching Marley Shelton. Jessica Capshaw is even kind of interesting, even though she kind of freaks me out with that smile of hers. So, you know, really neat cast. And then there's the soundtrack. The main song, which I played at the beginning, is from a band called Orgy, and that's Opticon. And there's other great bands that contribute to the soundtrack. I think Marilyn Manson is on it. There's also a band that I got their CD from based on this soundtrack called Snake River Conspiracy. Really borderline heavy metal. So it's a really good soundtrack. It's one of the soundtracks that helped me get into metal you know, in the early 2000s. Another good thing about this movie is the humor inherent in the movie. It doesn't hit you over the head with it, but a lot of it is situational or due to the dialogue. For example, at one point, the killer breaks into Marley Shelton's apartment and he finds her her creepy neighbor going through her underwear and trying it on. Hello, Kate. Hi, Gary. You look great, Kate. How about a date, Kate? You can be my mate, Kate. You're scary, Gary. So the neighbor is just 
creepy and funny in that respect. And then there's another scene where Marley Shelton is in her apartment and the power goes out so she doesn't have any water and her hair is full of uh, shampoo so she has to get it out. So in a black moment of comedy, she washes her hair in the in the toilet. So it's pretty funny. And then a lot of the dialogue in the movie is just laugh out loud funny like this one. So Paige, what are we going to do about this? You're the detective, right? I'm not talking about the case, Paige. I'm talking about this. This. Tension. Sexual tension. Let's be frank. Detective Vaughn, please remove your hand from my thigh. Where would you like me to put it? How about up your ass? Have a good day. So you get back to me on that. So the movie is you know funny. It's not a it's not a comedy, but it's got funny moments which I think are well balanced. It's very hard and very difficult to balance good humor with good horror, but I think this movie gets it right. And then you've got to look at the director, who is Jamie Blanks, and I think that he's pretty good in this movie. There's a really effective scene in the middle uh, where this character is in the basement, and you get a lot of... Uh, a lot of the camera work is playing with the audience. You see the, the killer in the background, then he'll disappear. You see a giant axe in the background, and then the, the character gets in the way of it, moves into frame in the camera, moves out of frame, and the axe is gone. Really well shot stuff. And then there's some pretty cool scenes, like in the middle of the movie, where the characters all converge on this art show. And at the art show, there's this maze of TV monitors, and the characters are walking through this maze of TV monitors with these creepy images talking about love and valentines and this is where one of the characters gets killed and stalked. Pretty neat. And then there's another scene where a character is calling another and you hear the cell phone in the distance and so she follows this ring and gets a a nasty surprise at the end of that scene. And then, really, this is a pretty understated movie. There's no prolonged stock and slash scenes, which I think weigh down a lot of slasher movies. I mean, you know that characters are going to get killed. And when they're sitting there yelling out into the darkness or going, Hello, who's out there? I know you're out there. It gets annoying. Hello? Hello. Especially if you've ever watched a slasher movie before. So this one doesn't have a whole lot of those. It doesn't hit you over the head with the horror. So I really did like it. And I feel that this is this movie is unjustly hated upon by a lot of people. I think it's one of the better movies from that era. Now, an interesting dark fact about this movie is that it's actually based on a book by Tom Savage, the book being named Valentine. You would never think that this movie was based on a book, but essentially it's the exact same plot, and this is not just an out-of-the-blue rip-off. It's, this is a literary movie. And then another dark fact involves the cast. Now, in the original cast, Tara Reid, who also starred in Jamie Blank's first film, Urban Legend, was to play Dorothy Wheeler, and Jennifer Love Hewitt was to play Paige Prescott. So we almost didn't get Denise Richards in this movie, and too bad that we didn't get Tara Reid, because at that time I thought she was one of the more attractive actresses in Hollywood. I don't <laughs> don't know if that's the case anymore, but she definitely hasn't aged well, but at that time I really did enjoy Tara Reid. 
So Valentine, I definitely would recommend it. It was very enjoyable. It's got a pretty neat ending too, a very understated ending that kind of leaves you hanging. So I would suggest it. Go out there and check it out. Celebrate your holiday alone with Valentine. All right, get the fuck out. Welcome to Cadaver Classics. I am here with Steven. How's it going, Steven? Hey, how are we doing tonight, buddy? Doing a little better than you were last time? Um, a little bit. Now, I, I'm going to take issue because I went back and listened to uh, the last time we did this. Uh-oh. And I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm a little disappointed, Mike. Why? Now, all right, do you remember what the name of the movie was, the prequel to The Innocents? Mm, oh, the one with uh, Marlon Brando. Yes. Uh, I don't remember what it is. It's in my uh, it's in my Netflix queue right now, coming within like the next five or so. Why? Okay, all right. The name of the movie is The Nightcomers. We let that completely fucking slip past us without making a crude remark. You know, I will say, how one in thing... the hell can you? I mean, it's like I mean. With, Maybe it was just too easy. But, we must, but, yeah, know, maybe... we must have been off our game because for that to slip through is scary. I, I will tell you that I did have one thought when we said that, and it was uh, of the Nightman on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I almost broke into song. I don't know if you know Night what that man is. Nightman of the day, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh! <laughs> yeah, that's that's staying in there. Oh, that's great shit, man. Yeah. I, did, I did think about that, but I did not. I didn't. I. You know what? I wonder. I wonder if my if my dirty radar's gone since. I don't uh, know. Maybe Sam was the catalyst. You know what? From here on out, I'm blaming all our dirtiness on Sam. All right. Fair enough. And see, <laughs> well, then how do I explain our douche cast dirtiness? Don't worry about it. Uh, Vaughn. Vaughn. No, Vaughn's uh, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to get into why he didn't do anything, but called me out for not doing anything. What? Oh no. What? Dang. <laughs> We gotta but, start thinking uh, about putting together another douche cast. By the way, just as a side note. Yeah, we. I mean, we've already got the movie picked out. It's just a matter of setting a date. So, but so, getting back. Stay tuned the for night, that. The night comers. <laughs> yes. Okay. Now, see, I've decided. Yeah, you know, we could go the the low route here. Here's my joke for that. Okay. I guess I guess Brando decided last tango in Paris wasn't steamy enough. All right, so <laughs> that, that's all I got. You had a, you had a week and a half to come up with anything, and that's all you came up with. I just came up with that like two minutes ago. Right, but but that, that that's, that's one that's one for the movie fan out there, the the cinema fan. Oh, see, now which I'm it. which I'm a self proclaimed non cinema fan. I'm just a horror fan. Exactly. So that's probably why you're not laughing hysterically. Yeah, that uh, went way over my head. If, if Roger Ebert's listening, he's probably laughing his cancerotic balls off. I was going to say, if Robert e Ebert is, la is listening, he probably is in some kind of vegetative state, because I think that's the only possible way he'd have any interest in the cadaver lab. I don't know. He did 
Well, what was no, he didn't like Caligula. That's right. He said it wasn't even good porn. Um, as a matter of fact, I can't think of a, a movie both of us liked uh, in a while. So, oh, well. Cool. And Oh, but I did finally see Avatar. Oh, did you? What'd you yes. think? Yes. I fucking fell asleep. Dude. I, dude, I, it, I was blown away you know, for the first, like, half an hour. This is all pretty and shit. Right. And then I woke up for the last 45 minutes, the big confrontation and shit. Dude, it but sounds kept, like I, it sounds I, like you hit the good parts. Yeah, but I, I figure I did because I, I mean, otherwise I would have fucking stayed awake for it. I mean, it was I don't know. It was just there's it was too long, just yeah. way too fucking long. If cut a half hour out of it, maybe I'll be able to sit down and watch it. But I guess a DVD will be out soon enough. I'll fucking check it out again with the kids. Well, plus I watched Pocahontas once, and it and it sufficed. <laughs> <laughs> Would, Actually, would, would, you you could find that now. I mean, if you were if you were uh, had less integrity than a man like me, I, I hear you can not, at least. Not that not that I yeah not that I know anything about the uh, re, the leaked screener <laughs> right right that right, right. hit the internet uh, a couple of days ago. You know what? I hear that leaked screener actually uh, has really affected box office numbers. I mean, two billion. Just think how many could have got without that. Oh yeah, really? It would probably have been seven. Seven billion, easy. Yeah, in the past four days since it leaked. Right, exactly. But here, here's my big problem with uh, fucking Avatar. Okay. 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 Why did Sigourney Weaver need an Avatar? She's like eleven foot tall by herself. <gasps> she could have just like slapped on some blue paint and blended right in. Dude, I will tell you why right now. Okay. Because I do not want to see. I mean, okay. Before I say that, I, I thought that Sigourney Weaver was, you know, an attractive lady 25 years ago. I did not, I would not want to see her naked with only blue paint on her since I saw the movie Holes. I remember uh, watching that with my kids thinking, oh my gosh, who brought the mummy on set? <laughs> nice. That's, I mean, I realized that was rude. I realized it and I apologize because she's, she's awesome in oh, Alien yeah. and Ghostbusters. But, but really? Wow. Yeah, and what was, what was the one where she was actually, was it Half Moon Street? Was that the one where she was actually topless in it? Ooh, it was I've her never and Michael Caine. I think it was her and Michael Caine, if I'm not mistaken. How old is it? Um, It would have been late 80s, I would say. Okay, so she's still, I remember still seeing probably her in, in that uh, hot stage. Yeah, she. I mean, she looks like a skinny chick with little boobs. but Yeah, kind of hot stage. But... Yeah, I mean, I'd, I would have done her if I could climb that high. <laughs> would have been an adventure. It would have been like Swiss Family Steven. Exactly. Up in I that would. little hut in the tree. I'd get, have to get like a grappling hook and rappel up. To... <laughs> <laughs> oh, go I, yeah, a grappling hook. <laughs> I'm sure that there were plenty of things you could have figured out to, do, to use that for while mounting mm -hmm. Sigourney Weaver. Yes. Okay. Is this where we start getting like into uh, the the uh, vulgar territory? Uh, if you if you need to go there, then uh, by all means. Let's not. Let's uh, talk about uh, a classic horror movie. How's that sound? Isn't that what we're here for? We are. Okay. <laughs> I watched one. What did you watch? I watched uh, Carnival of Souls, which actually came out in 1962. Um, uh, you know what? I've got to say, I. I've never seen it all the way through before. Um, 
But in watching this, this uh, this was kind of uh, special to me a little bit because it was actually filmed here in Salt Lake City, which oh, is pretty cool. Yeah, that that um, is something, I guess. Hey, up yours. Well, uh, well first off, I think it's I th- okay. you know what you know what's wild though, Mike. What? I actually, by a strange coincidence, watched Carnival of Souls this week as well. No. Get out. Exactly. Yeah. Well, which version did you watch? um, I watched the 72-minute public domain cut. Uh, I did not get around to the director's cut. Oh, I thought the director's cut was the 72-minute, and the theater theatrical cut was the 83-minute? It's the other way around. I know. I'm making making an obscure (laughs) joke to an old douche cast. No, yeah, I was, I was going, I was going to go there, but you cut me off. Sorry, man. <laughs> but anyway, um, no, I, I did not watch the longer cut because uh, an hour in Utah is more than enough for me. I'm, I'm going to kick you in the balls. Okay, fair enough. Uh, well, it you was know, directed. Oh, go, go. I was just going to go into it, man. What do you got? Well, here, here I, we need to let the viewers know that Carnival of Souls is not to be confused. With Carnival Soul, the Rick James story. <laughs> that had two that completely had to do different more movies. With like, I thought that was a an advertising campaign for Soul Glow from the uh, you know the product that uh, what was that movie? Uh, oh shoot, an Eddie Murphy movie where he came to America and they had the coming to America. How coming about to that? America? How about that? Yeah, the, with whole, Arsenio Hall. <laughs> the whole Soul Glow thing. They actually yeah. made that after that movie, and and the ad campaign was Carnival of Soul. Was it really? Absolutely not. not. And and you do know that um, Motown Records was originally... All right, never mind. (laughs) Let's (laughs) let's move on, shall we? All right. It came out in 1962. It was directed by uh, Herc Harvey. Is that right, Herc? That is Uh, correct. And it was written by John Clifford. Uh, The budget on it is... um, It depends on where you look. It's somewhere between $17,000 and $30,000. Um, but anyways, the number like I said, heard was thirty-three. Oh, okay. So anywhere between seventeen thousand and thirty-three thousand. Pardon me. Oh well, I'm just trying to help. Oh no, I appreciate it. No, that's why I'm here. <laughs> it starts. Doesn't, uh, doesn't mean I'm right. It just means that's what I've heard. Are, are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's see. Um. It starred Candace Hilligoss as Mary Henry, Francis Feist as Mrs. Thomas, the landlady, Sidney Berger as John Linden, and Art Ellison as the minister. So uh, this is a pretty, uh, I mean, this is a pretty positively uh, reviewed movie, and I threw it out there the other day on Twitter to see what everybody's thoughts were, and it seems like everybody really likes this movie. What do you think? Um, It's, my complaints with this movie are all nitpicky little pet peeves of mine but for the most part i i do really like this movie and uh as i guess as we go along i'll just point out the shit that pisses me off but you know and i will and i will say one thing that this commits my ultimate pet peeve crime of a movie but we i can't mention it or else it will spoil the movie so we'll i'll just leave i'll just let that rest right now i thought you're is it no sam's ultimate pet peeve is when they explain shit to you uh, so, yeah, I guess, but, um, I, you know what I'm talking about though, right? I don't know what your pet peeve is. There was no nudity. No, um, that, that's a pet peeve. 
And well, and see, here's the I've other seen. thing. Have you ever have you seen the movie poster for this? Uh, it's got it's got like the this uh, blonde in this kind of like skimpy like off the shoulder dress. Uh, half her boobs hanging out. And isn't she That's, running or something? Yes, running like from Like in this the, action-packed, like, still? Yeah, and I'm like, where where the hell is that chick? <laughs> that, w- that would have been an awesome scene just to throw in half-naked running from whatever. I don't care. A tree. You know what? What do y'all have out, what do y'all have out there in Utah? Salt, I guess? You name it, we got it. All right. Except so for the ocean. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know so what? she was you, running from a surfboard. Maybe. Potentially. Whatever. She, but, you could have yeah. thrown that in anywhere in the movie, and the whole time you could have been watching, like, what? What? That doesn't even make any sense at all. And then as you're trying to make sense, you watch the end of the movie, and you're like, well, who gives a shit? <laughs> you know? And yeah. that's and that's my pet peeve. That anyway, but, but like I said, I don't want to give it away. You don't want to give away the ending to a 40-year-old movie that... Is available for free. If anybody was going to watch it, they probably should have by now. I, I've I've only seen it once. This is the only time I've ever seen this movie. Oh really? Yeah. I've you... start I've started it before, but uh, you know the opening scene has the uh, girls in the car and then they get to a drag race. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but I've never really been able to make it past the when when the girls actually uh, uh, fall off that bridge. Well, do you, do you want to talk about the plot a little bit? The yeah, drag but, race, first off, the drag race is not nearly as exciting as the one in, say, Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Oh, oh, can I, can I make a, a side note real quick? Speaking of Faster sure. Pussycat Kill Kill, mm-hmm. I just learned that Tura Satana lives probably about two hours from, from my house. Okay, Utah finally has something I'm interested in then. Yes! She, if, if, if she looks... <laughs> In half as good. Was she probably like seventy no, some now? She doesn't look very good. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Oh well, but we we have the Russ Meyer movies. So yeah, yes, we do. Thank you. I assume that's uh, faster pussy get kill kill. I don't want to. I don't want to like pretend that I knew what I was talking about there. Oh my God, Michael. What? Okay. Yes, it was <laughs> Russ Meyer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, you run down the plot for us real quick. Sure. Uh, we mentioned how uh, the, the movie opens. There's a car full of girls. They are challenged to a drag race by a bunch of uh, dudes. I, I guess that was normal back in the days because uh, the girls accepted and they decided, you know, and they just started drag racing like it was no big deal. Um, basically, what happens is they go around. They're doing all this crazy driving, and uh, they come to a bridge. And uh, you know, between maneuvering, trying to get around things, maybe getting bumped, uh, the girls' car falls over the side of the bridge, and uh, all of the passengers uh, disappear. Uh, they haven't quite found the bodies yet, and they've been searching for it, when uh, all of a sudden, Mary, our main character, uh, comes walking up out of the water and uh, has evidently survived the crash. Mm-hmm. So far, so good? So far, so good. And I just want to point out, you know, if you've ever seen like the Little Rascals show where you know, if if a little boy likes a little girl, you know, he'll dip her hair in the inkwell. Uh, that's the same thing you've got going on here. These guys see the hot chicks. They decide to drag race and run them off the bridge and drown them just to show them that they like them. I think that's what was going on there. Uh, I think it was uh, fairly effective. They got the message. Yes. And uh, the sexual tension there is so palpable. <laughs> Until they supposedly died. Yes. And... 
Well, it just, I guess, depends on what you're into. But Oh, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Okay. All right. So anyway, <laughs> it, yeah, Mary comes out of the water and looking pretty damn hot. Because, like, she, I don't know. There's just I think the hottest she look. looks in the, from in the whole movie is right there. Yeah, I don't know what it is. She's dirty and filthy and her hair's all freaking scraggly. <laughs> but, oh, my God, I was like, shit, yeah. <laughs> So anyhow, we find out that uh, she's a church organist, and uh, well, she's an organist, and uh, she goes to the local church and, and you is playing said organ. this. So, yeah, yes, I did, and I will say, I will say this huge ass organ, because I mean this thing was massive, uh, you know, to quote Doiner, I guess. But um, basically, she's in there playing, and uh, I don't know. I was kind of taken aback by that organ. I mean, maybe it's my naivete of uh, the actual size of the instrument itself. But I mean, this thing was massive. It, and it, uh, I, I mean, like I said, I've never really played an organ, but I mean, it had, what did it have? I, I didn't know those guys played the two, the two, uh, level, rolls of keys and then had their feet going and everything like that. I thought that was a pretty cool thing. Yeah. The, the, I mean, that's uh, pretty much the way they are. And you know, if you'll see some of the like older churches, these, uh-huh. I mean, these organs are, these pipe organs are freaking huge. These pipes will be like freaking 20 feet long, 30 feet long. Yeah, uh, it's outrageous, and you know I know you know you're probably not you aren't used to a large organ, uh, but I don't believe that you've never played your organ. Wow! Well, wow. oh my god! <laughs> I've never had uh, I've never th- thankfully my organ does not have two keyboards and foot pedals. It has been used as a foot pedal before, but we will not get into that right now. Well, mine does have two rows of keys. Sick. Uh, I, I was, I was going to ask you, uh, uh, does it only have two keys? No, two rows, uh, about four octaves, I would say is the range. (laughs) That is, uh, that is, uh, TMI, my man. Yeah. Anyways, we find out that Mary has decided to take a job in Salt Lake as an, as an organ player. Um, and it's, it's kind of a. As she's speaking with these people in the uh, in the church or wherever she's playing this organ, you, you can kind of tell that she's disconnected. Um, you know, that she's kind of got something going on. Maybe there was some kind of a traumatic. Uh, she's getting over trauma from the crash or whatever, and it kind of spills over into her uh, trip to. She basically drives from where she's at to uh, Salt Lake to, uh, you know, take the job. Um, as she's driving there, she actually starts almost. Uh, she actually starts hallucinating and sees a, um, what would you call it, uh, a ghoul, a ghost-looking guy? Yeah, some kind of apparition. And uh, that's actually the this apparition, this figure, this guy, this ghost, whatever the fuck it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually played by Herc Harvey, the director. Right. And, uh, yeah, she just keeps seeing this uh, thing. You know, she's driving down the road. She'll see it. Uh, like just reflected in the glass mm-hmm. or, you know, she'll see it in the mirror. She'll see it when she's walking around and you know, he just shows up just kind of at random. Well, and the funny thing is that she, when she gets to Salt Lake, she, she takes a, uh, a, a room in, in just some kind of a boarding house or whatever you call it. I, it's um, I guess in a, maybe a small apartment building or something like that. Things seem to be going on with her. Like you said, she sees this apparition, you know, walking here and there. Uh, to make it even worse, she's got this, uh, she's got a neighbor named, jo- uh, what was it, Sydney? Was that, or is that his name? Dang. 
played John Linden. Yeah, that's right. John, who uh, is just kind of a creep and, you know, hits on her and doesn't really seem to know, uh, have any tact or anything like that. And so she's yeah, kind he... of, a, I was just say, she feels pretty uncomfortable as it is. And then this smarmy guy shows up and uh, starts putting the moves on her. And uh, I don't know, it's, it's just kind of a, this is, this is what, uh, a, a, how I would assume how like a serial rapist acts before they, you know, before they catch their stride, if you know what I mean. Yeah, this guy is creepy as shit. And it's and later on, when she decides that, yeah, she's going to go out on a date with this guy. Right, what the like, crap? It's like, what the hell? And it's obviously just because they couldn't come up with another actor for her to actually go out on a date with. I well, mean, come on, it was only made for between seventeen and $33,000. Right, so you, you got to take what you can get. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Candace Hilligos, or however you pronounce her name, she's uh -huh. actually the only professional actor in this movie. Oh, really? Uh, everybody else was just uh, people they've rounded up um, you know, around Salt Lake and uh, got to be in the movie. So, so what you're saying is that guy's real and somewhere around here in his 90s? Uh, I thought it was your dad, dude. I may or may not be my dad. I will. I will not elaborate <laughs> any further. <laughs> um, well, as she's kind of settling into her new life in Salt Lake City, she actually goes to the um, the church where she's going to be playing. She meets the parishioner, and she you know meets some of the other people there. And uh, she's she's starting to settle in. And uh, we actually forgot to mention one thing. On her way in, she saw this pavilion. And uh, it seemed, the way they shot it, and whatever, it seemed to kind of be calling to her. She, she kind of had some kind of a weird connection to it. Um, but we don't know exactly what that is. Well, once she gets here into uh, Salt Lake, she kind of asks about it and actually goes and visits it. So anyway, she's, uh, again, she's drawn to, to this pavilion. And uh, does it really even ever say why the whole movie, I mean, what, what the deal is with the pavilion? Because if so, I missed it. No, they never do. And... I mean, the only thing we know about the pavilion is that for some reason it's been locked up and nobody, it's, it's against the law to go there because it's maybe been condemned or something. Never really says. Yeah, I mean, but, she. But yeah, she, there's something about it that, you know, has captured her attention. Well, I think it was a pretty good place to, to, to make a film like this because, I mean, she walked through and there was all this abandoned, uh, like, I guess, I guess carnival or, or whatever, like kind of like funhouse stuff. And it was, you know, a little. It looked a little damaged, stuff like that. So I mean, I thought that was a pretty, a pretty good location for it. But yeah, I, I never really understood why exactly they chose to um, incorporate the pavilion at all. Well, the the entire movie was written around when um, Her Carvey saw the pavilion while traveling through Utah. Right. Uh, he saw that pavilion and just had kind of this vision of what became this, the scene where all the uh, ghouls are dancing around in this pavilion. That's all he had was the idea for this one scene, and the movie was built around the rest of that. Really? The of the movie, yeah, the rest of the movie was built around that one scene. You know, the uh, funny he, thing is, you know how many movies you could have made built on that one scene? Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you look at The Fisher King, has a similar scene in it, except it's in... Uh, you know, the big uh, uh, Grand Central Station, you know, you have you can pretty much do anything with one scene and build a movie right. around it. Uh, how John Clifford ended up with this. Yeah, I don't know. 
it's not like it's annoying or anything. It was a decent place, a decent setting, creepy looking place anyway. Um, so I guess the middle part of this movie, uh, you know, a few things start to happen. She starts to fade in and out of, uh, what would you say, like trance-like states where, for instance, you'd see the, you'd see the, the, the fuzzy, the, the screen fuzz over a little bit and then no one would be able to, uh, she, she couldn't speak to anybody and it's, it's almost like she wasn't there and things like that and, uh, um, just a little, just, just some kind of weird, unexplained things that were going on, and uh, kind of uh, culminates into a scene where she's actually playing back at her church. Um, she's practicing the organ, and she kind of goes into a, somewhat of a trance and starts playing this, uh, I don't know, what would you say, a discordant kind of creepy song. Uh, you know, all of a sudden, cre- uh, it, was, it was being shown with these creepy, uh, you know, these camera angles were going, you know, showing some of these weird stained glass designs and in what in religious el- emblems things like that. Yeah, it was kind of yeah, it was kind of like disjointed and I don't know, it was almost like a like Stanley Kubrick montage or something. It was just <laughs> kind of kind of weird. Um and but see here's here's the thing that kind of got me with the scene. Um cuz the priest does stop her and, right. and fire fire her. Basically saying, you know, we we won't have that kind of music in our church, and I'm thinking, you know, it's not like she was playing Crazy Train. How the fuck? How the fuck do you tell whether or not organ music is sacrilegious or not? Yeah, because and, and it, that, it I was going to say the word just... sacrilegious was funny. I mean, to to use that, it's like it was different. It was maybe a little more. It seems smooth and and maybe a little discordant, but I mean, it it wasn't like uh, wasn't like she was playing. Uh, in a gata de vida. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so I, I didn't really, I, I don't know, I guess you just got to take the priest's word for it. He knows better than I do what's He's more in tune with that stuff, man. Yeah, because uh, apparently I am not. Well, neither am I, my man. Uh, so, I, you know, this thing, the, the whole scene was kind of weird because she, she kind of goes into this really deep trance and, and, and you know, even, even further in. But anyway, that happens. She gets fired from her job. She decides to leave Salt Lake. Um, and then that's, you know, that's the, the whole time she's been seeing these like ghoulish, these ghoul people, uh, I guess that's a good word for it. I wouldn't really say that they're zombies or anything like that, but anyways, uh, she gets on this bus in order to, you know, getting ready to take off and all the passengers on the bus are these ghouls. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and after that, you know, she gets, uh, what is it? She goes back to the pavilion to check it out for one last time. And, and, and then uh, she sees a bunch of these ghouls dancing in the pavilion and, and uh, you know, and then we find, and then I can't remember if it's right after this or if I've missed anything, but right after that we get the, we get the ending of the movie. Yeah. And Does it sound right? Yeah, that's close enough. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean, because, I mean, really, like I said, this, this was a movie that was built around the one scene and the idea that, you know, we're going to have kind of a uh, intellectual you know, filmmaking going on here. Uh, I will say though, that scene was great. I mean, that that was, I think taking just that scene, if it were in some kind of a uh, trippy, you know, taken out of context, the context of the movie where it didn't need to make sense or anything like that. I think that was a pretty good, I mean, a pretty creepy scene. Yeah. There, there's actually, there's a lot of amazing work here. Uh, The, the scenes with the, uh, the dancing scene for one 
And, right. and even even little stuff like uh, towards the beginning of the movie when she stops at the gas station to ask directions, uh -huh. uh, the, the gas station attendant you know points like off screen. The camera follows his hand into like um, you know into the blackness of the night, and then uh, it transition. There's that transition there where they're opening a door into a dark room, right? And and it, I mean it's an almost seamless. It's uh, perfectly seamless the way it's put together. I mean, the editing in it in places is brilliant. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the visuals are amazing. I will agree uh, with that. I think if this maybe the script had gone through one more draft, we might have a little little bit more coherent story. Yeah, because it definitely wasn't. And no, be, a, a lot of stuff seems to happen at random. Um, well, and then, like, you know, I'm instance, watching this. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, for instance, like her disconnect with reality, she, you know, she's just in the store, you know, changing her clothes uh, with right. the, and what's with that she mail that was like the store <laughs> clerk there? I, I mean, it's like a Sasquatch. I know she was freaking huge. She must've been like nine feet tall. You was, hate tall ladies. I don't hate tall ladies. Um, you're, you're freaked out by them. Well, this one was very manly. <laughs> she was. She was. And, I mean, not like giant eyebrows. Oh my God! <laughs> you know, I'm serious. Somebody went up into the north North Pacific woods and fucking drug her out and shaved, shaved her back her. and put her in the dress shop. Exactly. But anyway, there there's no catalyst for her disconnect from reality. It just happens. Uh huh. And then all of a sudden she's walking around. Nobody can hear. Her, nobody can see her. Then boom! All of a sudden she hears a bird and she's back. You know, and it's and it's that kind of scene that I'd be as I was watching it, and like I said, it was the first time I'd seen it that I was like, "What? In the, why in the hell did that happen? What was you know? What was the what was the catalyst? What 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 snapped and, and, and put her into this? I guess alternate reality or whatever. And then you know, and I was kind of it was um, it wasn't like irritating, but it was kind of like okay, well let's I'll keep my I'll keep my eyes open for an explanation to that. Until we get to the very end, where it's like, oh, we don't need the explanation for that. Right. It, the whole thing it was it, a lot of a lot of the motivations, a lot of the things that happen, just simply happen to be happening. Um, there's it doesn't really flow that well, which is why I didn't bother to watch the eighty-two minute version. I think right. you could have, I think you could, have, could probably cut another ten minutes out of this, uh -huh. and been just as well off. Mm -hmm. But the, but the scenes that are good are amazing and all the acting in this is i mean is really fucking solid even you know your creepy guy whatever sydney whatever the fuck his name is right i mean for an amateur actor he is really fucking good no, he, he, sells he that does i believe that he, i mean he was i mean i believe that he was a definite threat you know i mean yeah. he, he seemed just like a predator oh yeah absolutely he he was amazing in that role uh and of course candace i mean she's a beautiful woman and I guess she did what the script called for, which uh, to me, it was just kind of confusing why, you know, I understand why she tried to, she just was so desperate to connect with somebody. Right. And, and he was available. So I do understand why, you know, she, well, went that, after that, him, that's one went thing out. that does end up making sense. Yeah. But as far as the rest of it goes, uh, things just simply seem to be happening for the sake of happening. Right. And until you get to the Ambrose Bierce ending, and then it's like, okay, great. <laughs> um, You're like, yeah. oh shit, really? Yeah, that's that's this movie could have been five minutes long. 
Yeah, pretty much. I mean, it could, <laughs> it could have been a, twi- a 22 minute Twilight Zone episode, right? And cut out all the filler. But you know, like like I said, that is balanced by the fact that we do have some incredible visuals in this movie, you know, and uh, some great acting. I didn't hate so this it's... movie as as much as it sounds like. As much as I'm coming off sounding like that, I enjoyed the movie, and I'll tell you what: one thing that does make it even uh, a little bit more, I guess, palatable for me is that uh, the the main girl, I think, did a great job, kind of acting the uh, just kind of the, the lost the woman who's lost and doesn't really know what's going on or, or whatever. And mm-hmm. uh, so, I mean, between her and, 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 you know, some of the ghoul scenes, uh, I, I thought it was good. You know, I, it's a good thing. It's free. I will say that. Yeah. I mean, there, there is a lot to like about this movie, but, and then some of the stuff is just completely ludicrous. Like, a, like the doctor that picks her up and then right. takes, takes her back to his office and sits there and listens to her whole fucking life story and, you know, everything that's going on. And then he says, oh, well, I'm not a psychiatrist. And I was like, well, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> she told that's me like, that 30 minutes I, ago. Yeah, I thought he was a psychiatrist. That was the whole point of him, you know, fucking listening to her. Was... Was, so let me ask you something. Have you ever seen the, uh, the quote-unquote remake of this that came out in 1998, uh, Wes Craven's Carnival of Souls? I... Cannot say that I have. It well, seems to me. I, I, it seems to me like I might have like saw it on Showtime, but if if I did, there was absolutely nothing to keep it in my mind. Well, apparently it was. Uh, the, there was only a couple of uh, similarities where uh, the end was the same. The, the you know the, the very last scene was basically the same. But I mean this in this movie, the girl, uh, the main girl, instead of uh, instead of uh, surviving a crash. She, uh, I guess, sees her mom get brutally raped by a clown. Oh, <laughs> which, really? Uh, yeah, which yeah. is a little wild. But uh, anyway, I just wondered if you'd seen that because I've actually seen part of that, but uh, I don't think I made it all the way through. I, I it just wasn't that good. Um, yeah, and well, if one th- if there if there's one thing that is missing from this movie, it's, it's actual it's actual carnies. Carnival stuff. Yeah. Yeah, you've. I mean, carnies are fucking scary. I will I will agree with you on that. So if if we will have had some actual carnies after people's souls, then maybe you will have upped this a notch for me. No. But uh you know, like I said, overall it it's I mean it's worth checking out. I mean yeah, it's only gonna take you an hour. Atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. But it uh, made you uncomfortable in spots, but but like I said, I think the end really kinda ruined it for me. I'm bummed. Yeah, the ending was I mean, it was kind of like um, every M. Night Shyamalan movie after uh, Unbreakable. It's right. just like, okay, we've got to have a twist ending for the sake of having a twist ending. And well, I wonder how this played out in 1962 when it came out. But Well, apparently it, it uh, played out well enough because, you know, we're, we're still talking about this movie. Well, and that's true. And, Do you want, you know, it was you know a pretty how... big, you know, it was a pretty big, you know, one of those uh, big drive-in draws. Uh-huh. For uh, quite a while. Uh, one little bit of trivia. You know how I said that uh, I thought she did a good job? Uh, mm-hmm. Her her agent refused to, uh, what's her name? Uh, Candace Hilgoss's agent refused to represent her after this movie. After she saw this movie. Oh, really? So, yeah, that's a little bit of, uh, of a strange trivia for you. Because I thought she did a decent job. Oh, I thought she I thought she was really good in it. Um, she did do, what, one, one other movie in her career after this? Oh, I'm not sure. Um... It was something like, 
God, some weird name like um, your corpse eats chocolate. I don't know. That sounds like something I'd watch. The Curse of the Living Corpse. Oh, okay. Uh, was her other only other role. Apparently she was represented by someone else. Apparently. And um, this was, I mean, this was pretty much the only, aside from that, this was pretty much the only uh, feature film for any of these people. Uh, oh, uh-huh. Her car, her Carvey, he he did industrial films, you know, like uh, sulfuric like, acid in you, and I guess you know, OSHA, your oh, really? and safety, and that kind of crap. How about that? And uh, I guess I, I'm assuming he went back to that after this. But yeah, that's that was his background, and you know, like I said, he saw the pavilion, had this kind of scene in mind of dancing corpses, and uh, that's what this is what we ended up with. And voila, we are talking about it almost yeah. 50 years later. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess there is a little bit of an influence on Romero here. Supposedly the uh, the scene towards the end where all the ghouls are coming after uh, Mary. Oh, uh-huh. Uh, supposedly that's one of the scenes that Romero cites as one of his influences. Oh, cool. Uh, for Night of the Living Dead. Uh, that along with uh, The Last Man on Earth with Vincent Price. So yeah, this you know it was an influential movie at least in that respect, and you know, forty years later, here we are. Cool. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. there's a there's a lot to like, but I think, like I said, the script probably could have gone through one more draft, and we'd be uh, looking at a real classic. But the direction uh, is spot on. The acting's great. Um, there the only the only there's one pet peeve, and this is something I have. Even you talk about like a great show, like TV show, like Cheers. Uh-huh. I, I hate reaction shots. Like, you know, Carla's at one end of the bar talking to coach and she tells a joke and then they cut to, you know, Cliff and Norm out the other end. So that we, we know Cliff and Norm got the joke, yeah. you know, um, I, and there was a couple scenes in here where she's playing the organ uh, at the beginning of the movie when she's at the organ factory and she's playing the organ and they cut to like all these people that are in the factory and they all just kind of pause and whisper fully listen to her you know organ playing oh right and then they do the, the same scenes like at the church when she first gets hired mm-hmm. uh, you know they they cut to people like out on the street you know and you wonder i mean if this was a musical they will broke into dance that's what they <laughs> would i it those kind of shots really fucking annoyed the piss out of me because there'd be like <laughs> half a half a dozen people you know different shots of people reacting to her organ playing Right. And um, and none of which were Cliff and Norm, which was a bummer. Yeah, exactly, because they could have spiced things up. And, you know, I don't want to watch. Here's the thing. If someone's playing with my organ, I don't know that I want uh, six people reacting to it. Or maybe I do. Ba-bum-bum. <sighs> Good job, man. <laughs> no, sweet. Is there anything else you have to say? About this movie? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You th- no, I, I would never assume that uh, you've run out of stuff to talk about. Anyways, well, thanks for being on once again. Enjoyed oh, it. Oh, dude, uh, I love love being on, man. Uh, it's always great to talk to you. You're a hell of a guy. I don't know if uh, your what? listeners can appreciate what a wonderful person you are, but Mike, of course, I want now you to they know think I'm the biggest dick in the world. Oh, wow. <laughs> See, we're trying to fucking hide it, but if you're going to fucking throw it out there, Actually, uh, you, you may be the biggest dick, but you have the smallest organ. We, uh, yes, and we will end on that note. All right, buddy. Talk to you next week. 
Hey, it's Aaron again, back with another segment of It Came from the Public Domain. This week on Cadaver Lab, I know they're going to talk about slashers, so I thought I would talk about a couple that you can get uh, from the public domain. Um, one you can probably download at the archive. The other one is available on a, a couple, at least, collections. It's also just been released in a super deluxe edition, so you might want to check that out. The first one is Pieces. Now, uh, what do you get when you cross an, uh, a Spanish filmmaker trying to replicate uh, both an American slasher and an Italian giallo uh, set in a Boston college. What you get is pure awesome, is what you get. This movie, actually, uh, the tagline in the movie is, it's exactly what you think it is, and basically it is exactly what you think it is. A chainsaw-loading homicidal maniac gorily dismembers people at a, a college trying to recreate a human puzzle. Now, where the movie begins uh, is in 1940, Boston, 1940, even though they have a, an 18, uh, 1980s telephone, but we won't get into that. Um, a little boy is putting together a picture of a, a jigsaw puzzle of a naked woman, and his mom finds out and freaks out and calls him all kinds of names, tells him she's, he's going to be just like his father, which something's up with that, probably. And uh, basically tells him to go get a trash bag and she's going to throw away all his puzzles and his porno magazines and stuff. So he comes back instead and uh, chops her up with an axe. So time goes ahead, it's in the 80s, and now someone is chopping up co-eds at a Boston college trying to recreate the puzzle. It's uh, probably it's a lot better and a lot worse than I make it out to be. It's it's a really fun movie. It's got a lot of gore, got great dialogue. Uh, one memorable scene is, is a girl was talking to her friends, and she said there's uh, nothing more beautiful than smoking pot and fucking on a waterbed at the same time. So, I mean, dialogue like that, you can't go too wrong. Um, the, uh, the main lead of the movie is um, Christopher George, who you probably remember from uh, Fulci's City of Living Dead. Also in the movie is his wife. Uh, built here is Linda Day, but it's it's also Linda George. Uh, she's been in a few things. She was in the uh, in America. She was in the Mission Impossible TV show. Um, like I said, this movie is just a lot of fun. Um, there's like some mistakes. Like I said, the 80s phone that's supposed to be in the 1940s house. The weird dialogue. There's some just random stuff. Like uh, Linda Linda Day Linda Day George's character, who is a policewoman going undercover as a tennis instructor because not only is she a policewoman, but she's also a tennis champion because most professional athletes, you know, are police officers in New England, at the, you know, and put herself in harm's way by going undercover to catch a murderer. That usually happens. And there's another, uh, one of the most memorable scenes in the movie is... Uh, Linda George is walking home, or back to where she's, yeah, back home, I guess. And all of a sudden, this, this little Asian guy just pops out and starts randomly going into, like, kung fu mode and starts trying to 
karate chopper and do all this stuff, and then he comes to his senses and thinks, oh, I'm sorry, I must have had bad chop suey, and just, just leaves, and that's the end of it. Nothing else happens. Just the random... Uh, the story is that uh, the director was also making a kung fu movie at the same time, and the guy just happened to be there, so they figured they'd throw that in. So, um, like I said, and th- there's an ending. I won't spoil that. Uh, that you, that it's a little stinger shock ending that I'll let you discover for yourself. But uh, like I said, you can't really see a whole lot about it other than basically like the movie says, it's exactly what you think it is. Now, the second one is stupid and gory. Not quite as fun as pieces, but it's not a bad little slasher. It's called uh, Drive-In Massacre. It's uh, from, uh, it's the late 70s, I'm guessing 77, 78. Uh, basically, someone is killing people at a California drive-in that uh, used to be a carnival. They're using a sword. Coincidentally, two of the uh, suspects were ex-sword swallowers for the carnival, so it could be one of those. It could be also the pervert who goes from car to car watching people make out and, and masturbate, masturbate while he does that. So uh, it could be him. could be a lot of people. But it had some uh, pretty good murders. I mean, there's a good, the decapitation, some impalements, uh, things like that, pretty good gore, especially for the time. Uh, this was uh, this was post-TCM and Dawn of the Dead, pre-Friday the 13th. So it's not bad little gore. Now it has a the bad acting is not that great, but it's not, like I said, not a bad little movie. Once again, the ending of this one, the ending of this one is uh, something uh, I, would, I would assume that the, the people learn from the William Castle School of, of Filmmaking, uh, so I'll let you discover that for yourself. Also, uh, those really are the two main ones that we're talking about tonight. There are, there are a few other ones that are, some are good, some are not so good. But as far as slashers, some other good public domain ones are uh, Silent Night, Bloody Night. Not that can be confused with Silent Night, Deadly Night. This is completely different. Um, there is Legacy of Blood, which was not bad. I mean, it's got uh, a Death by a Beehive. It's got a sister of a brother sexually attracted to a sister. It's got a handyman with uh, a lampshade made out of Nazi skin. So, you know... Lots of fun things going on in Legacy of Blood. You might want to check that out. Um, there is also, um, I think there's more that I'm going blank on right now. There's uh, Savage Weekend, which isn't bad. There is Rituals, a.k.a. The Creeper with uh, Hal Holbrook, which is sort of a slasher. Not really. It's kind of a deliverance kind of slasher sort of thing, but it's not bad. I mean, it's really good, actually. Um, there is Night of Bloody Horror, which I just watched this evening, which we'll get to eventually. It's stars uh, Major Dad, I forget what his name is, but the guy that was later on going to be Major Dad is in this one. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, a good, a couple good proto-slashers, you know, early, not quite slashers, but they were in that vein. A really good one is uh, Dementia 13. Uh, you should check that out, definitely. Uh, and then there's one called The Embalmer uh, from, I am thinking... 50s probably it takes place in venice the uh the killer uh kidnaps and kills his victims and keeps them in an underground underwater little grotto and he like when he when he attacks he's wearing his wetsuit so he can escape into the canal and there's a pretty cool you know end sequence there a little chase sequence 
Um, he's wearing a skull mask and he's like hiding within the uh, the catacombs in like the crypts of under underground there. So like he's kind of blending into the background and things. It's it's pretty creepy little movie. You might want to check that out. There's one called Haunts that has a little bit of a slasher element, but it's got like a really nice twist ending. Uh, you might check that out. Um, as far as to where to find the movie that we talked about tonight, Pieces is available in several several budget collections. Uh, the one I currently have it on is called uh, the Bloody Horror Collection. It is from Sinclair Vision. That set also includes uh, Don't Look in the Basement, Memorial Valley Massacre, which is another slasher we didn't talk about. It's uh, basically trying to catch it on the holidays. It was originally called Memorial Day. It takes place in a a campground, you know, like people rent trailers and things like that. And there's a cave and a hermit, a hermit in a cave, who uh, doesn't like all these people in his area. So he's he's killing people. There's also a bear running around. There's a great uh, wet t-shirt uh, dancing in the rain sequence, which I would recommend. Uh, so that's it's it's not. I mean, it's not the best movie. I was kind of disappointed in the hermit himself after I read the description, but it was it's not a bad little flick. I mean whatever check it out it also has it happened at nightmare inn uh, the demon which is also a slasher but not really worth mentioning uh the hatchet murderer aka deep red which i didn't include in it's because it's more you know of a gallow it also has their pieces it has a silent light bloody night uh night of bloody horror and uh horror rises from the tumor unfortunately that is edited so you know stay away from that but um that's available on that it's on it's on a few other ones as well um it also just came out, if you really, really like Pieces, and I, I'm not going to buy it because I don't have the money, but if you like Pieces, I would recommend, uh, it's like the new double-disc, super deluxe edition that you might want to check out of that. Now, as far as Drive-In Massacre, you could actually, I believe, download that from archive.org Um to watch for free. I have it on the Chilling Classics 50-pack now. I know that Mill Creek likes to rearrange their content, so if it's not on there, it's probably also on the Drive-In Classics. But it's available. Um, You can get it at uh, Public Domain Torrents, I believe, has it as well. So that is about it, and uh, I'll talk to you next time. everybody we're back it's uh me and johnny how's it going man pretty good dude what's up well nada we uh we 
those, I mean, obviously through the magical world of podcasting, none of those guys know that we've been trying to figure out how to do um, voicemails for the last hour, and uh, we had had we we had no success, man. I really apologize to everybody who sent in their voicemail. Uh, I don't know what to tell you guys. Yeah, we'll get it. So what? So basically, just like we said last episode, I'm gonna promise you that by next episode we'll have them figured out. And you know what we'll do? We we got uh, we got five voicemails. So you know what we'll do? We'll just uh, kind of save all the ones that we got for this episode for next episode. And um, you know, so so don't. I just hate to discourage people and from uh, sending out uh, or, or calling in their voicemails. Anyway, how's it going, man? Man, it's going really good, dude. What you been up to? Uh, not much. Watching a shitload of horror. Oh, that's always a good sign. What you been watching? Uh, dude, I've been actually watching some newer stuff lately. Like I what? just, I just, have you seen the movie Cold Prey? Um, no, I don't think I have it, no. It's like a Norwegian uh, slasher flick. Okay. This... Oh, you know what? I heard about you talking about this on Twitter. Oh, I was so pissed off, dude, because, <laughs> you know what, I, it's like you said with Frozen, man, I hate when they hype a movie up and it doesn't live up to that expectation. Well, the, the problem is, is I think that if I would have, first of all, understood exactly what Frozen was before going into it, which, you know what, the info was out there, I could have done that, but I didn't do that, and I, I thought it was going to be a kick-ass horror movie, and I was, yeah, I was just ended up being a little disappointed in it. Well, the thing with Cold Prey, man, that really got me was everything I read about it said it was like, it was like the perfect slasher movie. Really? And me, yeah, and to me, it wasn't even, I wouldn't even put it up there with, you know, mediocre slasher films like Slaughter High. What? Did you just call Slaughter High mediocre? No, dude. Wait, but you know what, though? Um, I will tell you this right now, that Cold Prey did not have a dick dragging. Oh, you know what? That is uh, that's a plus right there. Yeah, man. Um, and I, you know what movie I also checked out, and we're gonna talk about this on a on a future episode. I just okay. watched House of the Devil. Oh yeah, yeah. And I don't want to say too much about it right now, but I, rema- I dude, I recommend that movie to everyone. Really? Oh, yeah, I'm not gonna I've hype it up it. because I don't want yeah, you yeah. know. <laughs> well, in every review I've read of it's split, man. It's either people either really hate it or love it. You know what? You know what I did with that movie? I watched it. I watched the first twenty minutes of it, and then I had to go. And then I came back later and watched it. But then, and I, and I was like, yeah, that was okay. But then, then um, I watched it with my wife actually, and I just sat through the whole thing and watched it, and I loved it the second time. But anyways, like you said, let's uh, let's save that for the next one. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah, because uh, whatever. No, but uh, Cold Prey, what that Norwegian slasher? I mean, what was what was wrong with it? Well, first of all, I mean, and I really can't hold bad dialogue against any slasher period no that and i can't hold that against a foreign film because i don't know oh oh, right because i watched it with the subtitles on but then the second time i watched it with the audio on Uh and it seemed like everything was pretty much the same so i think it was i mean i think it was translated right i just don't think it was written well oh really yeah, it was oh, I was really disappointed. But and you, know, you watched it two times though, once with the once with the dub and once with the subtitles. Well, just to see if it made a difference because sometimes oh, okay. it can. But you know the thing, another thing that movie did that just ah oh, pisses me off <laughs> is I, I really hate when you pick up the DVD case and it says you'll never guess the twist ending. I didn't of know course. there was a twist coming, Dick. <laughs> Why oh, are right. they going to tell you there's a twist? The whole movie you're like trying to figure out what the damn twist is. Right. I like being hit in the face with a twist, man. Yeah. 
Stephen and I earlier we talked about uh, what was that movie called? Carnival of Souls in our Cadaver Classics uh, segment earlier in the podcast. And have you seen that? Oh, the original and the remake, and I, I love the original, man. Dude, the original. How about that twist ending, though? We didn't give it away, but I got I was pissed off. Were you really? Yeah, because in one of the movies, and, and I bring that up again, because one of the movies that we're going to talk about today kind of does the same thing. Oh, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, so it's like... And that lost watch, points with me. Yeah, you watch this whole movie, and then all of a sudden you realize, I'm not even going to say what you realize, but most of you probably know what it is. But anyway, I, I don't think I'll... Let's, let's not say which one that happens to. Uh, slaughter high. Whoop. No, but, uh, no. Um, They'll know by the writing. Uh, oh, you know, anyway, we'll get into that. I watched, uh, last night I watched a movie called um, Slaughter Hotel. Have you ever seen that? No, but is that the one you were saying had Klaus Kinski in it? Yeah, it was 1971 with Klaus Kinski. It's a bunch of these hot babes in this, like, men- mental institution in, uh, it, you know, what... And there were lots of boobs, and there was some gore, and there, you know, not a whole lot. There were blood and whatever. There was, like, this little stalker. That sounds like a freaking great premise for a movie, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Hot, naked mental chicks. Oh, my gosh, dude. It sucked. It was so boring. I, yeah, I, I don't want to just, like, go into this. I, I bring it up because I want to mention one thing. It scared the shit out of me a little bit. Because I think what they did is, um, in, in, and I could be totally off base, but this is, this is what, this is, it seemed like this happened, that... Okay, so you're sitting there watching it, and apparently there's a bunch of different versions of it, and, you know, some have been cut and some have not been cut. But, so, all of a sudden, I think they splice in, like, extra, how, how do I put this? Like, extra, obs- uh, not obscene, <laughs> basically, uh, shots that you would only really ever see in a triple X movie. Not like, not like penetration or anything like that, but all of a sudden you're, like, <laughs> two, two feet away from the bread basket, if you know what I mean. It's awesome. But, so I mean, it's funny because I kind of looked up because there was like this, I swear, like a twenty-minute masturbation scene with the with the main chick, and the main chick was hot, and 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 that sounds awesome. I know it I does. I was gonna say that. I'm not, I'm not hearing awesome. the downside here. No, but uh, oh my gosh, it got so boring. You ever seen uh, what was her name, Lady Frankenstein? No, not at all. It was well, we we talked about it early. Uh, me and Sam talked about it on. Uh, I can't remember. I think it was on our horror host episode because uh, Elvira has a. DVD out with this, and it was a, it was a lady from uh, Lady Franken's. I think that's what it's called. Anyway, she was freaking hot, and I was so looking forward to this, and then I just ended up being like, oh, it's so it just ended up being so boring. And but but one great thing is Klaus Kinski had a dub. His voice was so wild. Uh, it sounded like I was watching the Squeakle, <laughs> but I don't know. It was awesomely bad, but whatever. That's great. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, anyway. So, uh, what we have on tap for today? Dude, we're going to talk about some non-franchise slasher flicks. You know, and there are a ton of non-franchise slasher flicks. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah. They, well, it was a trend, man. After Friday the 13th, man, they were just were coming out like crazy. You know, and I didn't really know how many there actually were until, you know, I mean, maybe 10 years ago when all of a sudden I, I, I just, for some reason, went through this phase of watching, like, Terror Train and My Bloody Valentine, and, and uh, oh, what's that one? I can't remember the name of it. Uh, the Burning, and, and, all, and all sorts of stuff like that, you know? And it's like, I wonder what criteria made Friday the 13th get 27 sequels, and some of, some of these get none, you know? Well, and I think maybe 
because that was kind of and I know that there were slasher films before that, but it was the right. first one to kind of show it was kind of like the first one to show the deaths in a little more brutal way. Well, in, I mean, we know we we know that uh, a lot of them were taken from directly from like giallos and in Italian horror movies, you know, out of oh, the seventies yeah. and whatever. But I mean, it's funny that like a movie like Friday the Thirteenth gets picked up, and you know, one like The Burning or or, or something like that does. Or you know, I'm actually really shocked at My Bloody Valentine because I watched that too. I watched that this morning while I was uh, uh, getting ready for work and whatever. I'm like, oh, I wonder why this didn't get a get a thing. I mean, because I mean, the the story seems pretty closed down. You know, if, if you think about it, oh, he comes back later because they're having this Valentine's dance or whatever, and it's like, yeah, but. It's like some of these Halloween and some of these, uh, like the Friday the 13th and stuff, they had pretty shut down stories like that. They, they were dead. So, I mean, they could have done something, but I guess they didn't. I wonder, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's just something to think about why Friday the 13th and, and Halloween got so many sequels, but some of these other ones didn't. Maybe it was just kind of the, I, what is it, uh, the iconography. How do you like that word? That's awesome, dude. Throwing Meaning, the big ones out there. <laughs> Even though Friday Thirteenth didn't really have the big icon with the mask and all that till number three anyway, so yeah, you know, I could be totally wrong. What's funny Whatever. to me is uh, I don't I find it surprising that Paramount kept making Friday the Thirteenth movies uh-huh. because they were so embarrassed by that franchise. Well, screw them. And, and but but these other companies who were taking pride in being part of the slasher genre. You know, they got one shots and it was done, man. And they, yeah. I, I bet you if they had the, the money, man, they probably would have made sequels. You ever, like, used to date these girls that you would never tell your friends about? Mm-hmm. You know, because maybe they were a little chunky or and maybe they had, like, a big nose or something. You know, <laughs> you didn't want to tell your buddies. But, uh, you know, you went back to them from time to time, you know. Maybe that that's what Friday the 13th was to Paramount. Oh, yeah. You know, we'll make some money. We'll get some action, whatever. But we won't tell anybody about it. That was yeah. totally sexist and rude. <laughs> yeah, I uh, no, but it's true. <laughs> <laughs> what the movies are the the, the analogy, dude? That was badass, <laughs> dude. I'm telling you, I, the same that I had that exact same thing happen to me, and I want to say in middle school, dude. I was in like eighth grade, and there was this girl that she just, I mean, she looked like somebody smashed a blender over her face. Oh man, that's rough. But she was really nice. <laughs> Well, she had to be. She was butt ugly. And, uh, you know, she was one of those girls that, you know, like to hang on you in the hall, but your friends show up and you, you know, kind of shove her into a dumpster. No. <laughs> that never happened. <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> well, anyway, you know, and the funny thing is, is we, we talk about this and then we talk about last, last episode about it's probably how a lot of those uh, A-list celebrities feel about their their beginnings in horror and whatever. Oh, yeah. You know what? Be proud to date that ugly girl, okay? Yeah, or ugly, ugly dude. Except for it's it's a whole double standard. Dudes don't have to be as 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 good looking as you know on the level as chicks do. You see what I'm saying? That chick's gonna be it. a swan one day, man. A swan. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, how much patience are you gonna put into an ugly duckling? Let's get real. <laughs> or how much silicone? <laughs> well, that's a great point, dude. That is a well. That's what yeah. half of them do anyway for the low self-esteem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was gonna. You know what? I'm not gonna go off on a tangent about. Uh, uh, never mind. I almost. I almost said I'm not going to do it. Then I almost did it. But anyways. Hey, speaking uh, of uh, weird, you know. We I don't know even what you would call this, but I I was 
reading today that the Sci-Fi Network and Roger Corman are making a movie called Sharktopus. What? That sounds awesome. Dude, I think I'm one of the only people on the Earth that loved... Uh, well, I didn't love it, but I thought that, that uh, Giant... What was it? Mega giant Shark. Octopus versus, yeah, Mega Shark versus Giant Octopus. I thought it was worthwhile. I got to see the Renegade and, and Debbie Gibson. Come on. Yeah, you know, dude. it was funny. I, I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't love it. I didn't, I, you know. But, I mean, <laughs> that... Uh, so I'm down with that. And you had Roger Corman to that. That is his specialty, man. <laughs> man... He will put his name on anything, dude. I'm pretty sure oh, Twilight's got his name in the credits somewhere. Dude. dude no, you know on, what? I like porn. I can't say shit like that. I take that yeah, back. That hurts. That's awesome. I hope he doesn't listen to this. Oh, you know, he does, too. I'm sure he does. I mean, who wouldn't? Yeah, well, I'll tell you who doesn't. Kevin Bacon now. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because before he was. Before, uh, before all the shit talking, he was. <laughs> That's great. Well, you want to get into the movies? Let's do it. Cool. Uh, the first movie is Slaughter High from 1986. <laughs> Marty Ranson was the dork of Dodsville High. You get undressed in there. His classmates laughed at him. Are you ready? Here's Marty. They tormented him. And then they went too far. Now, five years later, Marty's throwing a little party. A class reunion. Come on, you guys, let's party. They say he still roams the nut house. Ever hopeful of that chance to escape, so he can take his evil revenge out on us all. And he's making sure everyone has the time of their life. I feel sick. He's created a romantic atmosphere for rekindling old flames. And a nice place to just hang around. Marty hasn't forgotten a thing. He's giving them a blast from the past they'll never forget. Marty Ranson is still a dork, but tonight he's getting even. Best Drawn Pictures presents Slaughter High. A decade after a cruel prank against a fellow student went horribly awry, eight friends receive a mysterious invitation to a private reunion at their now-closed high school where they come face-to-face -face with a frightening figure from their past. One by one, the once-popular former students fall victim to a twisted, bloody fate, and the only person laughing now is the one getting revenge. This movie, it's basically, you know, IMDb gave it a 3.6, and I can, I can vouch for that a little bit. The story is pretty standard, but, man, they, these characters were so stupid. <laughs> well, the thing is, you know, that during that synopsis right there, they show up at their closed-down high school for a reunion. Right. Okay, right there. There's the red flag. Right. You know, there were there were tree there were weeds taller than the damn high school. Well, yeah, it was. I mean, it was like really obvious that. Uh, I mean, listen, when I was watching this movie, there were a lot of things that I was like, 
well, again, I don't want to give it away, but there's just a lot of things that didn't make sense. And why would you do this and why would you do that? But, you know, it, 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 let's just say it all got wrapped up in the end. So you don't have to get hung up, hung up on things like uh, when uh, something would, nobody would ever do this type of thing or, or this would never happen or whatever. They, they, they tie up all the loose ends, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. Um, this movie stars Caroline Monroe as Carol Manning. And, Which, by the way, is pretty hot, I think. Well, yeah, she is. And you know what's crazy is, do you know Let how me old guess. she you Yeah, know, she was 36? 36, dude, playing like a high school student. <laughs> now, that alone should speak to how hot she is. Yes, 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 yes. Because, you know, I mean, well, I guess they did the same thing when they filmed 90210. Right. Yeah. They were all like 48. <laughs> but uh, it also stars Simon Scudamore as Marty Ranson. You get Ca- to see his nuts. Uh, you get to see a lot of him. You see Sorry, more junk I... than you see boobs in this. Well, no, that's not true. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but listen, I think that every time... I, I promise I'll quit cutting you off, but but I think that uh, the impact of nuts is, like, worth the impact of, like, six pairs of boobs. Oh, yeah, dude. Well, I would say, yeah, I mean, it was, like, one dick shot too many. <laughs> well, I that would have been better. if it had one. <laughs> one dick shot too many. Yeah. <laughs> Um, this also starred Carmine Ianconi. I'm probably saying that wrong. It doesn't matter. Ianconi. It says Skip Pollock, Donna Yeager as Stella, Gary Martin as Joe, and Billy Hartman as Frank. Now, basically, the movie starts off, Caroline Monroe lures uh, Marty into the girls' locker room. You know, it's April Fool's Day, and she's telling him that, you know, go into the shower stall, I'm going to strip naked for you, and we're going to do it. And that's pretty much dialogue from the movie. I mean, there was nothing special there. No. But, <laughs> so they get in there, and this the pranks they pull on Marty are so elaborate. So they get basically a whole film crew to go in there. One guy's in a mask. I'm trying to remember what happened exactly. I know they opened the shower door on him. They After, after he completely stripped. Oh, yeah, and then that's the first shot of the wanger. You know what the fun? You know the funny thing is, is when that happened, I'm like, there is no way that I would get into a shower and get fully naked before the girl got in there. But then I thought maybe Marty would. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure because, he would. Because you know he was kind of a. I bet he was pretty hard up oh, for yeah. us, especially with Monroe. You know, and and let me ask you something about that girl's locker room real quick. Don't you think that there there were like windows, like the like the kind of the uh, what do you call it, like the blurry windows? You know, they have the the little waves on it, so you can't see through. But there were there was a window there that had nothing like that. You could see right through it. There were windows above the door and kind of a uh, you know around the top of the thing. There were a ton of windows looking right into that girl's locker room. Well, dude, the the janitor, the was it the janitor? He he yeah, walks was, by and he's like, yeah, there's some kids messing around in the in the locker room. So I mean, <laughs> he walks over there and looks in. It's like, man, I would have that would have been freaking awesome. You should have seen the lengths we had to go to to see chicks naked in the. Uh, wait, never mind. It was like Porky's. <laughs> but, so, you know, they opened this shower curtain on him, and did you notice that the first thing the guys started doing was prodding him in the junk? Yeah! And I these didn't guys... understand that either. <laughs> well, the thing is, is it's like these guys were so, like, over the top. Like, like for instance, they ended up picking him up upside down and giving him a swirly, oh. and it's like his ass was like, 
less than six inches away from his head, and his junk was right on the other side. I was going to say, you're, you're thinking about the ball, the uh, the ass. I'm thinking about the junk dangling. <laughs> no, well, come on. It's kind of a package deal there. <laughs> yeah. And those guys were happy to do it, too, dude. And they were having so much fun, dude. Yeah. Well, so, okay, they get done giving him a swirly after he gets prodded in the junk. And the first thing he does is he runs to the towel rack where he gets electrocuted. What, they set up a car battery or something? Yeah, and, and you can see the voltage. I think that would have probably did a lot worse to him than it did in the movie. Right. Being, you know, so, 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 <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they, they were very smart. I mean, th this could have gone way worse than it, well, it gets worse yeah. later, but, but I mean, this could have gone way worse just in the, just in the shower scene. Well, you know, and then they get in trouble by the coach for doing this to Marty. And the first thing they do, they do is blame Marty. I know. They're all pissed off. I need to give a preemptive kick to the junk real quick for, and this isn't my official one, or <laughs> kicking the balls, because the whole time we see Marty's nakedness for like, you know, quite a bit, and we never see Monroe's boobs. Oh, it's, oh, it's ridiculous, dude. So they get a, they get a kick in the, a preemptive kick in the junk right there. And I'm going to go ahead and put this out there right now for the listeners. Can someone tell us if I don't think Caroline Monroe's ever gotten naked, but if she has, could you let me know what movie? Because I would like to see her naked. Well, let's hope it was. I mean, what when did this come out? Eighty six. Let, let anything before maybe ninety, because after that she's probably really old. Yeah, I've, se I've seen her recently, dude. I don't want to see her naked recently. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but so the coach basically makes all the kids go out, out to the gymnasium after school to, you know, what is he just working them out? Yeah, just attention in the gym, just kind of making sure that they pay for their crime, I guess. Which, which by the way, I don't know if you were going to bring this up, but they had them all lined up doing push-ups. Did you see the way Monroe did a push-up? Oh, so awesome, dude. She was, she was just, Her arms were straight, and she was just like pelvic thrusting. Dude, that was, I mean, seriously, that was training for a freaking adult film. <laughs> and that one guy actually was, you know, up in the ground. Because the coach told him to knock it off. Oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> so, then, what's his name, dude? The, uh, the Skip Pollock? Yep. He ends up sneaking out of there and going to the, what was it, like, the physics lab or whatever? Well, it was the, it was the chemistry lab, and there's uh, good old Marty in there working on a chemistry, uh, what was it, just some kind of a chemistry product, and his buddies, before he started doing that, gave him some weed, like, laced with poison. Cause that's always funny, dude. Yeah, what? A, what? A, I mean, these guys took it to like a new level. They really hated this guy or something. So, okay, to cut this kind of short, as far as the story goes, they basically Marty. What was it? Is it? Is he fumbling around when he's lighting the joint, and he ends up? Spilling? Well, well, what it is is he gets sick. He gets sick from the joint. He goes to use the bathroom. Skip goes in there and rigs something so like the fire will will fly out from the Bunsen burner or something like that. And so, basically, Marty comes back after, you know, feeling a little bit better, you know, whatever. Uh, Skip, of course, is gone. The Bunsen burner blows up. It freaks him out. What was it? Uh, it there was acid on top of a shelf. Yeah, with dude, nitric acid. Thing. Yeah, that spills down, burns the shit out of his face. Meanwhile, the whole lab's going up in flames. And, uh, yeah, Marty gets the shit burned out of him. And that was a cool shot, man. That was a slow motion shot there. That was cool. That was actually really cool. 
You know, I will give that to this movie. This movie had some pretty neat special effects and parts, and it had some weak special effects and parts too. <laughs> but uh, so anyway, the fast forward. Basically, all these kids are getting back together, and they didn't do anything to make them look any younger or, or older. So <laughs> no, no. You just assume this was ten years later. Well, no, they said it was five years later. Their five-year uh, anniversary, or okay. uh, what do you call that? Uh, reunion. Whatever reunion, yeah. So they go to this abandoned school, and no one's there at all. And not if that's not suspicious enough, they decide to not even try to go in. They hang out outside until sunset. Wow. <laughs> so they're hanging out outside, and one of the guys decides to break in. And once they get inside. They basically see that it's set up for just them because I guess there were only you know like eight kids that went to that school, oh, right. <laughs> even though it was like huge. <laughs> yeah. So and none of this at all was suspicious to any of these people. They just kept going on with it. Yeah. So. Well, I think what it was is they th- they thought since Skip was kind of a jokester, I think they thought that Skip may have set all this up just to kind of to to do an April Fool's joke on him because because that was the date and he also. Uh, the whole date, the whole uh, Marty thing in the beginning was done on April Fools as well. You know, did you at all question the? I mean, maybe I don't know anything about April Fool's Day, but did you at all question their logic that April Fool's Day ends at noon? No, I, yeah, absolutely. I actually wrote that down because I don't because, get that. Yeah, they get all they get stuck in there and they're getting picked off, and they're like, all we have to do is stay alive till noon because that's when it ends. I have no I, what I've never heard that. Well, and apparently, you know, that's the that's the best time to try and rationalize the thoughts of a killer is when you're being, you know, picked off one by one. Well, yeah. Well, let's put it this way. They, they're all in there and they decide that they're going to have sex and that they're going to do all this other stuff when this is all going on. You know, <laughs> I mean, I hate, I don't, I don't mean to get ahead of you in, in your, we're talking about the, about the plot of the movie, but. Oh, that's pretty much it, dude. Okay. Well, you know, it's funny because there's a few observations I made about this movie. First of all, this is a high school, right? It's still high school, it, it, you know, and all the stuff that's been in there has been in there for for quite a while. And uh, um, I was just blown away at how many rooms had freaking cots in them. <laughs> Are you, it's like if there were that many cots in my high school, the pregnancy rate would have gone way up. That's that's all I'm saying. I don't think it's I don't think it's smart to have in a high school. No. <laughs> you know what? One thing I did really, one thing that well, I, I started liking but did kind of irritate me after a while is that uh, Harry Manfredini did the did the music for this movie. Oh, and, yeah. Um, the, yeah, it makes sense. Uh, there's even a scene where one of the guys jumps out from behind something with the Jason mask on, and, and it totally plays this, like, little Jason riff, or, you know, whatever. It's, there, you know. That's, there are several of those, and that's actually, uh, getting ahead of myself, but that's my kick in the balls is Harry Manfredini. <laughs> Because they lifted several uh, cues from Friday the 13th. Oh, absolutely. Did you notice, though, that there was one song that kind of prevailed throughout the whole thing? It was like four notes. And I, I you know, they, they were just kind of like four notes that you that they play over and over throughout the whole thing. And it's funny because in the beginning, uh, you know, after the very, what was it? No, it was the very opening of it. They have these, like, these four notes, and then it, like, turns into, like, this... Uh, this uh, hair metal song, and it sounds like uh, he screams, dude. It's like, yeah, yeah it sounds like a leather, lo- lover boy or something, you know. It's like, oh my gosh, but you know, and, and that was pretty cool in the beginning because you know, the, the first riff, you know, and all this cool stuff. But, but oh my gosh, does that get does that get overplayed the whole movie? Those four notes, and then you'll keep hearing that same damn song over and over. Well, they play that intro back to back like three times, and yeah, 
I don't know if you know this, but Harry Manfredini and some other dude actually that's they that's them on that song. Oh, you're kidding me. Yeah, I think Manfredini did the music and some other dude sang it because I saw that in the credit credits that that was them. That is so funny cuz that I swear it was Loverboy. Dude, it was it was it was like cookie cutter. Oh yeah. Cheese. Exactly, exactly. That it was it, I mean it was it was very I mean it was cool to listen to. I would have liked that. I mean, I just just out of if nothing else, I mean I mean, some of us grew up in the '80s. I know some of us, meaning you, were a little younger. But, uh, but so I mean, God, when we were in high school, we we're sporting like mullets, and, and man, that was the kind of music we listened to. You know, Dude, so it's. I just found out from a friend yesterday that mullets used to actually be cool back in the '80s. Yeah, kiss my ass. No, I really didn't know that though. I thought I always thought, and she said they weren't even called mullets back then. No, it was just how you wore your hair, dude. That's funny, man. Oh, well, I know it. If Steve Perry from Journey is rocking the mullet, then obviously it's popular. Uh, I never went as far as to get the Steve the Steve Perry perm mullet, dude. but I did. I did have a pretty mean mullet you're back gonna, in like junior high. You're gonna sit here and tell my ass that you didn't have the leopard spandex pants and the the freaking red cutoff vest. The what? dude, I never said that to you. Oh, okay. I said I said I didn't have the perm, dude. <laughs> Well, that's that's one step. Yeah, thanks. This movie, dude, I'll tell you what it did for me that just... There's something that I consider to be the cardinal sin in slasher flicks. And mm-hmm. this movie committed it right away. Okay. They did not make one likable character. You know what? They didn't. In fact, uh, I think they were... It's funny because some of... They were like, I, they were like three or four guys. And there was like Skip, who who is... Uh, he, he kind of stood out a little bit. He was like the, I guess the main guy, but the rest of them kind of just were the same dude, oh, you know. Yeah. And, and a couple of them looked so similar that I didn't even know which one was which. And there's one point where Stella, who ends up being married to one of them, starts making out with the other, and I didn't even realize it wasn't her, it wasn't her husband. Yeah. You know. So it's like, uh, wow. You know, the characters were pretty flat, and and you know, whatever. I mean, this is a slasher. I mean, I, what do I expect, right? But. Well, and and I kind of thought, you know, after, because um, at the beginning, Caroline Monroe actually wakes up from a dream, and you kind of see that maybe she's having some regrets for what happened to Marty, and and that almost built her up to be kind of likable, but then she gets to the reunion and starts snorting coke off a mirror, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> that's awesome. Well, because, because she's made it, because apparently she's doing some nudie, which is another kick in the nuts. They talk about how she did... Like nude photos, and we never got to see her boobs. Bullshit. That is bullshit. <laughs> that... I'm telling you right now. This this was directed by who was it? George Dugsdale, Mark, Ezra, and Peter Litton. Three guys. I have first of all three dudes. I mean, how do you get a coherent story out of it? The answer is you don't. And second of all, they, these three guys wrote it, so apparently it was these three these guys' pet project and whatever. You know. There was a lot of good about this movie, and I will admit that. I mean, there there's a lot of cheesy stuff. There was a lot of really terrible dialogue, terrible dialogue. Oh, it was, was it was entertaining though. But I mean, okay, so you know, they, you talked about how they set up this little room where there was, uh, uh, you know, just that was just set up for them, and it ends up all their lockers were in there, were moved in there, or whatever. But anyways, the point is, is they were, they were all in there, kind of drinking, whatever. One guy picks up a beer, drinks it, and apparently it had acid in it. And it freaking blew out his guts, oh, dude, which that, was awesome. That kill, just that, 
it was kind of boring up until that kill, and that kill got me on board real fast. Oh, absolutely, and and it it kind of the blood from the gut kind of uh, splatters onto this one girl. So what does she do? People are getting killed. She decides that she's going to go in and take a bath. <laughs> what they, they the have, hell? Because they have a, a full bathroom that has bathtubs and everything in a at a school. <laughs> but which, by the way, is in pure plain view. Of the non of the of the window that you can see right through. <laughs> I would have loved this damn high school, dude. I'm telling you, man. <laughs> but anyhow, so she goes and takes a tub. Turns out that uh, that uh, the killer has somehow rigged it to pour acid. And that I thought that was a pretty kick-ass kill. I mean, it started off kind of silly. Well, it ended silly yeah, too. Yeah, it but... ended really silly. <laughs> <laughs> but the the. Uh, the uh, that uh, stop motion skin melting off the face that was that cool. was freaking classic, dude. Oh, that and, was great. And you can't beat that. I mean, it, I know it looks cheesy now and it looks kind of stupid, but that was awesome, it, man. I I mean, I I I really enjoyed it. I real I literally watched it two days ago, so it's like you're not for the first time, mind you. I'm just saying, two days ago, 2010, it's still kicked ass. Yeah, that was know? really cool. Basically, oh. the characters reminded me of something like on that show, The Jersey Shore. Because oh, they I've all seen it. well, I haven't either, but I see the clips on the soup. Bullshit. Uh, and you know, I watch it. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> but you know, they all have that real thick accent. They're all obnoxious, and you know, yeah. all the guys are douches, and all the chicks are well douches. And that was pretty much this movie. They all had that really bad accent. Well, not all of them. And the whole movie, I was wondering why their accent was so obnoxious. Well, it turns uh -huh. out that ninety percent of the cast was actually British. So that I guess really. That, I yeah, I guess they were doing what they thought was an American accent or something. <laughs> wow, that's that's fairly pathetic. Yeah, it was, and you can hear some of the you can hear some of their English accent actually. You know, uh, I totally missed it. How, how funny? Yeah, dude, and the whole thing was filmed in England. Speaking, oh, I hate to get off topic, but something else <laughs> that just burned my you know it just burned my ass in this movie uh -huh. was. Did you notice there were several actors that during like scenes where they were monologuing, they looked directly at the camera. Oh, I didn't notice. Like, they made eye contact with me, dude. You can't <laughs> did, do that. You're an did, actor. Did they make you feel uncomfortable, man? <laughs> well, well, no. Um, not when the chicks did it, but... Right, right, right. But the thing is, you know, I can I can handle something like that in a, uh, you know, like a Wayne's World or Naked Gun type movie. Or even right. Saved, by the Bell, uh, Saved by the Bell, dude, when he's like, hold on one second. <laughs> when Zach pauses time yeah. and looks at you and says something right. But when you're in the middle of a scene in a horror movie and you just start talking to the camera, oh, it pulled me right out of the movie. <laughs> since, since since you were into it so deep the rest oh, of the time. Dude, sure. I was just enthralled. And then <laughs> that happened. And you know, I have to admit that when we said that, we, when we came up that we're going to do this this movie, and I had seen it before, I was like, oh, okay, I guess we could do one that I don't like or whatever, you know. I watched it again, and I actually really enjoyed it for some reason. I don't know what it was different, but I, th I mean, I think that this was, I mean, it was, it was hilarious. It was, it was totally, everything we've said, all the bad things that we said about it, it was all in there, and it was all, you know, it, well, no, no, it wasn't irritating because I think that I went into it knowing what to expect, and maybe the first time I was like, oh my gosh, this is, you know, unbelievably bad. But since I went into it understanding it was unbelievably bad, I, I guess I maybe I was just a little bit more relaxed and I could enjoy, you know, some of the, I don't know, the deaths or the, you know, whatever else, you know, and just it, it just had a good laugh with it. Because, you know, I, I really enjoyed myself this time. Oh, yeah, man. And I, I, there were so many ridiculous, 
just ridiculous things. Like they were trying to use a lawnmower, a riding lawnmower, as an escape vehicle. Right, because because that goes so much faster than actually just making a run for it. Yeah, they they go like three miles an hour, <laughs> and the guy actually spent time like rebuilding the engine or whatever. Right. He was and well, that was a cool death too, dude. When he gets that. That was. A- I was going to say, that did set up a pretty badass death. Yeah, I mean, they had to work it in there somehow, but they did a good job with it. They're so, like, how can we get this I... guy underneath a lawnmower? <laughs> why, why don't they use that as an escape vehicle? That's a perfect <laughs> fucking idea. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, I, You know what? I, I cannot defend that decision. There's there's no reason that should have been in there, but it ended up working out. Oh, and, and that would be terrifying, dude. Holding up, basically holding up a riding lawnmower while the blade's spinning above you and someone's right. cutting your arms. Because, I mean, when I lifted that car off those uh, orphans that were on the, you know, that, you know, I had my adrenaline going and stuff that one time, but, you know, I didn't have someone cut my arms either. <laughs> no. Yeah, that that helps. Yeah. <laughs> I do that from time to time. There were just, there were a lot of things in this movie that were really good. and It had the really good and it had the really bad in this. Like I said, I it, this was a surprise because I was going into this fully expecting not to enjoy it and uh, I think with the if you go into it understanding what you're getting into I you know I I would actually even give this a buy really yeah I mean that's how much I enjoy I was I mean I was laughing out loud I get I, I was this, I was lolling I give this a red box okay but and that's only because on AMC you wouldn't be able to see you know dude's junk get <laughs> scraped on the locker room floor <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing yeah I, it didn't look painful at all <laughs> so, yeah, dude. Well, it, like, but like I said, I mean, I please understand that my rating is only because I know that it's terrible. Oh yeah, you know, you know, I don't, I don't want somebody saying, dude, but Mike said it was freaking worth buying, and uh, <laughs> then they don't, they don't trust my my uh, ratings ever again. Dude, you're a little too far into the game to start worrying about that now. <laughs> Uh, easy, dude. But you know, no, you're sure. probably you're probably right. Oh man, um, the memory count in this movie was 15. Oh, you know, I'm glad you're doing the memory count, and because because I'll tell you what, I don't know if I can do the memory count because I like to enjoy it. Well, I don't like to sit here and make a marks. Okay. Well, I was enjoying but, it, but both of them were death scenes, so <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't. I mean, when when flesh is coming off of the boob. It's a little harder oh, to. Uh, oh, and the other, uh, the other one is when that girl got electrocuted, and her do. face ended up looking like the girl from the ring. <laughs> their, <laughs> their love really was electric, man. Oh snap! That was a great one. <laughs> the junk alert in this movie is six minutes into it, so if you don't want to see that, which it's, it, you know, it sets up the whole movie. So you know, the thing is, is it was just so damn funny that I think that the junk kind of made it. I'm not saying it needed to be in there, but what I'm saying is these guys were so cruel and unusual that it just doesn't surprise me that they would that, that there was they were doing this to a guy while his junk was flapping around. You know, they're just a bunch of psychopaths. Um, I have a six degrees on this. Let's do it. Caroline Monroe is in Maniac with Tom Savini, and Tom Savini is in The Demolitionist with Bruce Campbell. Whoa, excellent, dude. Um, I have a, I have a couple of, uh, I did a six degrees just in case. I actually thought that I was in charge of this movie. Oh. <laughs> so, so I did the, I did the notes, but, uh, I, do, I have a couple of, uh, what did I learn? Okay, cool. First of all, never leave acid uncorked on the top shelf of a flimsy bookcase. Dude, that's one of mine. No. That is way. so funny because I, I had the exact same thing written down, but in different wording. 
<laughs> All right, I got another one. Even if you think you have an awesome idea, never wink at another dude to make sure he's on board. Yeah. Because it doesn't look as cool as it sounds. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that can get you into a lot of trouble. <laughs> no, no crap. They they like wink at each other. I'm like, oh my gosh, great. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> uh, you got a kick in the balls? Uh, well, like I said earlier, man, it goes right to Harry Manfredini for even putting in that score from <laughs> Friday the 13th. Dude, there were so many to choose from, if you think about it. Oh, yeah. The entire cast, actually. Yeah. Well, the winking one could be one, or uh, I, I have to say that it was uh, Stella for actually showing those bouncy, saggy boobies. Yeah, man, she uh, she didn't age well, you know. <laughs> yeah, those five years were really rough on her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man. Yeah. All right, is that it? Uh, well, I have a, uh, I have a who else said that. All right, let's hear it. So, you bastards, I wet myself. That was Aunt B when Andy and Opie put a snake in her underwear drawer. <laughs> you, fr- you freaking busted on Aunt B, man! Dude, Come on! It was the one time she got pissed at those boys. <laughs> uh, apparently, you haven't seen that episode, dude. No, I have not seen that episode. I wouldn't. I wouldn't really say that I'm a, a, a Andy Griffith show connoisseur, though. So that's awesome. <laughs> what are you gonna do? No, I think that's pretty oh, much that's it on funny. that movie, man. Cool. All right, so uh, we'll be right back. It's all true. The boogeyman is real, and you found it. Boy, the next word that comes out of your mouth better be some brilliant fucking Mark Twain shit, because it's definitely getting chisel on your tombstone. I'm coming to get you, Barbara. Well, I bet you'd stick your head in the fire if I told you you could see hell. Meanwhile, you're too stupid to realize you got a demon sticking out your ass singing, Holy Miss Moly, got me alive! (laughs) Get that bitch, Leatherface, get that bitch! Leatherface, you bitch, I'll... Dog will hunt. This is Bill Mosley, and you're listening to Cadaver Lab, so don't change that dial or whatever that fuck it is. Ich 
And we are back. So, you know what? I, I have to admit that I'm glad that we chose Slaughter High for that. I do. I'm yeah, really, dude, I'm, good I'm, to see again. I'm just pretty happy. Yeah, it was it was definitely fun. Uh, the next movie is uh, Intruder. Good evening, Walnut Lake Shopper. It's closing time. But the night crew still has work to do. Because there's one last customer who isn't satisfied. No, this creep keeps calling you. He's driving us nuts. Leave me alone. He wants to slash their prices. Who's that? He wants to cut their inventory. You're crazy! He wants to chop until they all drop. I saw him kill Linda. And now, he's turning their retail store. There's gonna be one more killing here tonight. Into a wholesale slaughterhouse. <laughs> From the producers of Evil Dead 2 and Pulp Fiction comes a new chapter in terror. Starring Dan Hicks, Bruce Campbell, Ted Raimi, Renee Estevez, and Sam Raimi in Intruder, a new dimension in terror. I'm just crazy about this story. And this is a movie that I have seen before in the past as well. However, I forgot what it was when you mentioned it. And, well, let's just get into it. I, I, I won't start going off on it quite yet. Uh, it came out in 1989. It was directed by Scott Spiegel, and uh, it was written by Lawrence Bender and Scott Spiegel. Now, Scott Spiegel has, like, this, I mean, I can't remember, I, I should have written down exactly what it was, but he has this relationship with, like, Bruce Campbell and Sam Raimi. I, he, he's from the same, he's from the same um, area, and I think they grew up together. Yeah, but to the same uh, school. What other, what other movies have they, have they worked on together? I mean, didn't he do some uh, producing? Uh, yeah, and he's actually yeah, he's done a lot of production work, but he's also actually been and he's been a part of every Sam Raimi movie. Oh, has he? Okay, so yeah, I mean, there you go. I guess I should know who that is, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you could tell Sam, you could tell Sam Raimi has something to do with this movie. Well, yeah, he was actually he actually starred in it, in the star a starring role, dude, as the butcher. But it's not as cool as you as it sounds. Uh, anyway. Uh, uh, just uh, as a side note, uh, the, the Robert Kurtzman, Greg Nicotero, and Howard Berger, the guys from KMB, did the um, did the special effects and makeup for this. Uh, IMDb gave it a six point one. What, what do you think about that? You know, it it got man, it's a good movie, but it's above a lot of movies that I think are a lot better. Uh huh. So. Yeah. I don't know how IMDb rates it anyway. I think it's just based. Well, on... I think it's it's just, it's just on people's votes. Yeah. I mean, so any any jackass could go in there. Like, I went in there the other day, and there's a movie by a local guy here, and uh, it's it, it has like a nine point three on it, but there's only like four votes or, or something. So I mean, and and I'm not sure how many votes. I mean, but it's this has been out for a while, so I'm sure that there are tons of votes, and it usually averages out to two. You know, I think over the span of time, it ends up being right around where it, you know, where it should be. Because every asshole who puts zero, there's a dude who puts ten, you know, just to, just to kind of offset the whole thing. But anyway, 
Uh, it starred Elizabeth Cox as uh, Jennifer Ross, Renee Estevez as Linda, Dan Hicks as Bill Roberts. Dan, we know, played, uh, what was his name, uh, Evil Dead 2, the redneck guy? Oh, yeah. Uh, David Burns played Craig Peterson. Sam Raimi played Randy. He was the butcher, right? And his brother Ted Raimi was in it, but he was the produce guy, or do I have him backwards? You don't know, uh, no, yeah, no Ted, I got him right. Yeah, Ted was produce. Okay. Um, and then Eugene Robert Glazer played Danny. Billy Martin played Dave. Uh, Burr Steers played Bub. Craig Stark played Tim. Uh, Ted Raimi played Produce Joe. And top billing on the DVD is Bruce Campbell, even though he had uh, like a two-minute part at the very end. They knew how to sell it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that's my six degrees, by the way. Yeah. Get that out of the way right in the beginning. Well, I don't want to keep everybody in, you know, tents and whatever. Um, so basically, here's the plot. <clears throat> the night shift at a local grocery store. You know, there are a bunch of kids, teenagers, whatever. You know, some of them seemed a little bit older, like they were already out of high school. Um, because obviously they were working the night shift. And, you know, they close up the store. Uh, they were the guys who close up the store and actually do the restocking at night. Anyway, um, close to when it's getting over... Uh, they're you know they're they're starting to close up the store. Uh, a guy named Craig, who is Jennifer's ex, and shows up and starts harassing Jennifer. And Jennifer is just one of the uh, the checkers. And there were two girls as checkers. Actually, you know what? What do you what you think about Jennifer? That's the main girl, right? Right. I I personally liked Renee Estevez better. Oh, she the shorter one. Yeah, she's the she's the one with the glasses. I think she had you glasses, know, right? Uh, I don't remember if she had glasses or not. But I get her mixed up with the. With the girl that came late in Slaughter High, the Peter Pants. Oh yeah, they they kind of look the same to me. And so right now I can only picture the girl who Peter Pants. Oh, I'm so glad you so. said you get her confused with her and not like Emilio Estevez, <laughs> because I think that girl's cute. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you are strange for thinking Emilio's cute. No, <laughs> anyway, um, this is a really simple story. Jennifer, who I who I thought was pretty. So just before closes, it closes, Craig shows up, and Craig is this, like, totally greasy dude. He's got, like, a mullet. He's got, like, the half a beard, you know, just like the stubble, and he's got this really greasy hair. He's wearing, a, like, a black leather jacket and a dirty white T-shirt and jeans, you know. He comes in. He's supposed to play this bad boy, and apparently he just got out of prison um, or, or something like that. What, what exactly was that? Well, he got out of prison for, I guess he was defending Jennifer, and he ended oh, up that's murdering right. somebody. That's right. But it was accidental right. or something. Right. He looked like Uncle Frank, dude, from Hellraiser. Dude, he, you know what? He kind of reminded me of a wannabe Fonz, like a homeless Fonz. Maybe, maybe <laughs> that was addicted to meth. You That's know? awesome. Fonz. Yeah, dude. Uh, Fonz with a mullet? Uh, meth Fonz. Yeah, exactly. 80s Fonz. Anyway, um, basically, she doesn't want anything to do with him. He wants to get back with her. And uh, he just starts doing really creepy stuff, like like trying to touch her, trying to trying to, to grab her and, and stuff like that. It gets a little bit grabby. Um, you know, she calls for help and whatever, and finally a bunch of people come out. It's actually, I mean, there's a little bit more to it now, and I'm glazing over, but you won't miss anything. Basically what happens is he gets a little bit too rough with her. The girl, the girl that you like, uh, pushes some kind of a, of a secret buzzer that buzzes the management office, and, you know, uh, the, man, the manager guy comes out and, and finds out there's something going on. So a bunch of people run out, and this meth bonds, like takes out like like beats five of these guys up. Yeah, that's a big scuffle, and, dude. Yeah, like all for one. He wasn't that big a dude. And the, my favorite part of that whole scuffle is we haven't seen Sam Raimi this whole time. 
all of a sudden we see Sam Raimi when within one second he gets knocked out by this guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, what a wuss. Anyway, so basically that he ends up kind of struggling with them. They, you know, they, they have a second wave of, of attempts to get this guy. They grab this guy, they throw him out of the building and, um, uh, basically the rest of the movie, here's this guy and, and all of a sudden all, just all these deaths start happening. And, uh, uh, I don't really know exactly what to say, uh, as far as the plot goes, except for, um, I mean, there, there were a couple of subplots, like there was, uh, you know, a management dispute. They were going, they're, they're going to sell off the store, you know, just, you know, so the, kid, the kids were a little bit sad about that. They all had to find new jobs, stuff like that. But really there was, you know, basically right after that point, it's just, uh, people start getting, uh, getting killed one by one, you know, until it culminates at the end. We figure out who the killer is and, uh, you know, the, then Bruce Campbell shows up for two minutes. <laughs> And that's basically the whole movie. What did you think? Dude, I really like this movie, man. I thought it was really good. Um, I thought the kills in this movie were awesome. I mean, for the budget they were on. Well, dude, there were a couple of freaking badass kills in this. Uh, like the hydraulic press. You remember oh, that one? yeah. And dude. Well, Sam Raimi's death, dude. Oh, no it, was this, no, it wasn't him who got the saw. It was the other dude who got the saw. The meat, <laughs> uh, was it the slicer? Yeah, the, like the jigsaw type of thing that, that the guy was cutting, uh, that Sam was cutting, bre- uh, like chicken chickens on, splitting those in half. Yeah, that was brutal, man. Oh, dude, that you know what the thing I liked about that is is um, I mean, sorry, you could tell that they weren't like like pulling away. They were um, they they kept the sh- I mean, they kept like looking up at the killer and then looking down, you know. But you but you see like the the. The blade go all the way through this guy's head. You know, you could tell it's fake, but it was still pretty bad. Well, something I really liked about this movie too was you could tell Raimi's involvement just because there were some really cool camera shots, dude. Like I don't know if you <laughs> if you saw those, but like the shot where the, she's on the phone at the beginning and the shot is coming up through the phone. Do you know what's funny is I was and I for some for I don't know for some reason I'm thinking ah cool they put a camera inside a phone. And then I looked at the rotary dial, and it wasn't attached to anything, really. Uh, that's bullshit. Yeah, dude. That shouldn't work. <laughs> it was all done for uh, just the uh, the shot, man. Oh, that was cool. There was a really cool doorknob shot, too, where you see the doorknob slowly turning, and the camera actually turns with it, which I thought was really neat. Yeah, that was cool. And when the, uh, the manager's in his office before he gets killed, there's a shot. He pours some liquor out of a green bottle. Right. And it pulls back, and you're seeing basically this happen, the the death, like the beginning of the death, you see it happen through this bottle, which is really cool, too. Oh, that you're right. That's and, right. And then you see, yeah, that's okay, yeah, right. Yeah, and uh, when Sam Raimi dies, there's a puddle. I, what is it, a puddle below him, and you see the reflection there? That was really cool, too. The, well, the shot is basically looking into the puddle at his uh, you know, corpse reflection, which I thought was really cool. He had actually a pretty badass... Uh, Death too. He got hung on a on a meat. He got hooked. On a, like a meat. You know, a good one. The uh, one thing that was kind of weird about this movie is uh, the store itself. I mean, it was really creepy. I mean, it was dark. In the back, you had all your butcher stuff. There was like big slabs of meat hanging up. There, I mean, there were like it seemed like a labyrinth of dark corridors in the back of this place, you know. And then, of course, the back alley. And uh, I think if anything, that I think that helped out my opinion on this movie. But I'll be honest with you, dude, I had a hard time with this movie. Did you really? Because yeah, it's like 
I just I don't know what it was. Maybe it was just the setting was in the in the grocery store the whole damn time, and I it just kind of got boring to me. It got like monotonous almost. You got cabin fever, dude. Maybe yeah, but the thing is, is I have heard nothing but love for this. In fact, I put it up on Facebook the other day, and I said, well, I just said I just said something like, anybody seen Twitter or uh, Twitter? Anybody seen uh, <laughs> Intruder? And uh, everyone was like, dude, I freaking love that movie. It was right after it, and I'm like, oh, great. Because, you know, I did not like this very much. Really, dude? Oh, yeah. man. I actually, yeah, I really like this one a lot. Well, listen, apparently more people agree with you than, than agree with me. But, uh, number one, by the uh, by the IMDb score, and number two, by everybody who replied on Facebook and Twitter. So, I don't know, maybe I'm the odd man out. Maybe it had something to do with that I was watching it too late at night or something. I don't know. But I just, I just found not to have, it didn't have enough. It seemed to not have enough like variety in the scenes and locations or something. I got really tired of the grocery store. I guess is what I'm saying. Well, the thing the thing I liked about it though that and the reason it didn't bother me being in the grocery store for that long, and uh-huh. is that it felt really fast paced. It felt like a short movie. Like it felt like it was well, about you know eighty minutes long. I don't know how long it was, but it it did seem long to me because they kept. I mean, there was there was all sorts of like I said, little subplots going like. So and so wanted to go on a date with so and so, and I'm like, I don't give a flying shit about that, whatever, you know. And then, uh, the, you know, there are a couple of other things just going on, and there's like dudes would tell. There was one cool story about <laughs> when they were all eating lunch or whatever, and the guy was telling a story about how he came back with a burger in one hand and the head in the other, you know. That and that, you know, that was kind of a funny part because uh, what asshole tells that story while everybody's trying to eat? Well, did you know but, that that story was actually that dialogue was actually ripped from Raising Arizona? Yeah, only because I read the notes. I didn't know that because I I, I don't think I've ever seen Raising Arizona. Really? Yeah. Wow, it's dude. been forever. I had a buddy who freaking loved that movie. In fact, uh, I think his uh, his love for it, his just extreme love for it, really made me not want to watch it because he was such an ass. It's one of the only things that I can stand Nicolas Cage in. Oh, really? You mean you didn't like uh, The Wicker Man? Oh, I will, I will freaking <laughs> beat Nicolas Cage's ass if I ever meet him for that movie. That movie, dude. Seriously. That movie is number one on sh- the sh- the shitty remake list. Dude, I hate that movie. Anyway, I I, I didn't mean to get us off on the tangent, <laughs> but because I totally agree with you. In fact, I thought Intruder was kick ass compared to this, compared to uh, that movie. I, I'm gonna t- I think I'm gonna take a little bit of abuse for this, just but because it, it seems like everybody in the world loves this movie. But I just I found myself to get a little irritated. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> did you uh, Did you read up on the director at all? Uh no I didn't the director was uh, the director was Scott Spiegel yeah um he did you know that he introduced Quentin Tarantino to the guy who financed uh, Reservoir Dogs I did not know that yeah that's so, a huge deal too yeah dude Tarantino uh basically claims that Scott Spiegel helped get his film making career off the ground well thank you to to Scott Spiegel for that. And um, I don't know if you've noticed, but several horror movies have the uh, production company Raw Nerve before it. You know, okay. Like ho- the Hostel movies and, you know, uh, what was it, uh, 2001 Maniacs. Uh, I, was oh, okay. reading, I was reading that that is Scott Spiegel and Eli Roth's uh, production company. Oh, you're kidding me. Like together, yeah. Oh, cool. So I kind of like that. That's pretty neat. Yeah. You a big Roth fan? You know what, dude? I, I take a lot of shit for it, but I really do like Eli Roth. You know, I don't. It's hard for me to say to have to to talk about it because, you know, I mean, I don't know how many times we've I've been sitting behind here saying, 
you know, on the, on the podcast saying that, uh, saying that I'm not like this technical wizard. I don't, I don't understand technically how to make a movie. And, I, and sometimes I don't appreciate, you know, a lot of the artistry that goes into creating a movie, you know, but in Stephen from JFMP hates him because he says he's a hack. He's just really? whatever. And the thing is, is it's like, I, I don't think that, I, I think that a lot of hangups that uh, a lot of people have about them are maybe things that I, I am not well versed in film enough to even know what's going on. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So I, or, or people are just, just hate them. I do. I do remember one thing I kind of hated him for is he bitched about the hostile Two failing at the box office because of um, piracy and whatever. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I get his beef and whatnot, but he I, apparently he was such a douche about it. But uh, I'm kind of with you. I mean, I don't, and, and I know Steven's probably going to end up listening to this, but I'm not, I, I don't hate his movies. I even liked Hostel and Hostel 2. Now, do I freaking love them? Do I think they're, like, luminaries of, of the horror genre? Maybe not. You know, but I actually watched uh, Hostel 2 a couple of months ago, or may, maybe, even, maybe even four or five weeks ago. And I, I enjoyed it. I, mean, I really like those movies. I, I like the, uh, he does a lot of really cool camera shots that I don't know if people are paying attention to, but they're really neat looking and stuff, man. Like, and I don't think, I don't know. I, I defend them a lot, and I find myself kind of on the losing side of that because <laughs> there's not a lot of people like him at all. No, and the, and the thing is, is I wouldn't say that I like love him so much that I, that I would go, that I really have to defend him, but I, it doesn't bother me that people hate him. Like, it kind of bothers me that, that people hate um, uh, House of a Thousand Corpses and uh, Devil's Rejects. I, I I love those two movies, and I'll defend those movies, you know. But as far as, like, Hostel and Hostel 2 go, that, you know, I don't love them to the point where I want to just defend them like that, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Man, that's another one, too, though, Rob Zombie. He gets a lot of hate. Well, I will have to say that I did not like Halloween 2 just because of how annoying the girls were. Anyways, wow, we're way off. Yeah. <laughs> so I learned I learned a couple of things about this movie. Um, grocery stores are too boring to set up as a location of a slasher, in my opinion. And uh, you're never too old to be a beat cop. They called the cops. Two cops showed up, and they were like 80 years old apiece. He couldn't even figure out how to open the door, dude. <laughs> dude, I would not be scared of those guys. I will be honest with you. Well, that's why the bullet guy snuck in. He knew that Barney Fife wasn't going to do anything. <laughs> Dude, maybe Barney Fife's grandpa. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, he was wicked old. Anyway, that's all I got for this one. Oh, okay. I uh, I got a what did I learn. Uh, I learned uh -huh. that Hamilton Beach blenders can also be used to beat people and also yeah. severed heads. Oh, nice. And uh, <laughs> I, You know, I, I do hate, I do have to admit that some of the deaths were freaking bad. Oh, dude, they were awesome, man. I, I thought, well, I really like uh, K&B, man. Those guys usually are pretty good. I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, and I would put them, I mean, I'm, a lot of people, you know, are always all over Savini, but I think I think that they've surpassed, you know, S Savini. Well, let's put it this way. I don't, I I haven't really sat down and, and uh, compared their work, and and I don't really, I can't really tell you, um, start, you know, because, I mean, it wouldn't be fair unless you started with Savini's early work and followed his career arc, you know, whatever. And I haven't done that for both of these. But, I, I mean, I really like both of them. And I, I think that if, if they're not better, they're, they're practically as good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, see, Savini pioneered it, too, so. Uh, and, that, you know, and that's one thing you have to give them. Yeah. That's one thing you'll always have to give them. Oh, yeah. 
Um, and I have a who else said that? Okay. I put uh, it's not so bad. I can get unemployment now. That's Uwe Boll after being fired by every Hollywood studio. <laughs> How does he keep getting shit to do? I have no idea. I just heard he has a new movie coming out. I know it was. It's another video game. Yeah. If I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. Like apparently Dude. people like love giving this guy money. They love throwing away money. It's an, it's a tax write-off to throw away money, apparently. <laughs> what do you give this movie? Uh, I give this a buy, dude. I give it a, I'll give it a red box. How funny. We kind of flip-flopped on those two. <laughs> the memory count was zero on this. That was a problem. Yeah. I was really disappointed, man, because I picked Slaughter High because I knew how much you'd enjoy the dude's wang getting dragged across the floor. And after watching <laughs> this, I mean, I forgot that this didn't have one in it. Uh, I should punch you in the face for that. <laughs> if it, you know what, this did also have Sam Raimi, Ted Raimi, and Bruce, so it made my six degrees uh, easy to do. The kick, my kick in the ball goes to all those pussies who work at a grocery store that uh, five on one couldn't beat up one meth head. My uh, my kick in the balls goes to Produce Joe for listening to the new wave equivalent of Inagata Devita. Oh my gosh, that was terrible music, dude. That song he was, was, he like was rocking out too. It was like a so twenty-minute song. I'm, you know, they kept coming back to him and, uh, you know, going away from telling a little bit different part of the story and going back to him. It was still that same stupid song. <laughs> That's why he deserved to so die, funny, dude. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Plus, I think Ted Raimi kind of has the, the face of someone who deserves to die. And he's not like ugly. I'm not trying to say that. He just kind of looks like a smartass anyway. You got anything else for this one? No, I think that's pretty much it, dude. All right, man. Let's uh, take a quick break and we'll be back uh, with the last flick. Never feel cheated. Well, I have. Normally, when you do a promo like this, you're supposed to sit there and suck the shit out of yourself to tell people how great your show is and what you talk about and everything like that. I don't like doing these fucking things, but I've been pushed to do it. And if you don't know who I am, my name is Vaughn, and I run the podcast Motion Picture Massacre, and glad to fucking meet you. Every week or whenever the hell I have time to do a show, I review stuff that I like, stuff that sits on my walls, maybe comes in through my Netflix account, Horror movies, cult movies, fucking shitty at B-movies, Italian action films, Japanese films, fucking anime, Ralph Bashke films, kid, you know, porno, I don't give a crap. Whatever you want to talk about. Whatever I feel like talking about, that's better. You know, if you want to check it out, it's motionpicturemassacre.com. going to talk about The Prowler from 1981. It was 1945, the night of the graduation dance. The war overseas had just ended, 
the terror at home Boy. was about to begin. Roy? Come on. Come on, kid. Don't play hard to get. What about New Year's Eve? Well, that was different. I couldn't help myself. The Prowler. If he wants you, he'll get you. Tonight, the terror begins again. They never found out who did it. But it had to be someone in town, someone who knew that she was called Rose. And Mark, that guy still might be around here. Oh, man, I don't believe this. You're talking about something that happened over 30 years ago. Whenever the time was right, he'd come back. The Prowler. If he wants you, he'll get you. your breath it starts all over again you may think you're safe but you're dead wrong the prowler coming soon a masked killer wearing World War II U.S. Army fatigue stalks a small New Jersey town bent on reliving a 35-year-old double murder by focusing on a group of college kids holding an annual spring dance. And uh, this movie stars Vicki Dawson as Pam McDonald, Christopher Goutman as Mark London, Lawrence Tierney as Major Chatham, and Farley Granger as Sheriff George Frazier. 
the IMDb on this was 5.7, and I'm going to go ahead and say right now that I think this and Intruder should have been switched. Because You know what? I will say that I think Intruder and uh, Intruder should have got Slaughter Highs. Uh, Slaughter Highs should have got this, and this should have got uh, Intruders. Yeah, man, I mean... <laughs> that all makes sense. No, it does, it does, and, and I... I th- I can agree with that for the most part. I mean, I you you really liked Intruder though, which is the difference. Well, I did. You, I, uh-huh. I mean, I did like Intruder, but I mean, I thought this movie was definitely the standout of every movie we were, were doing the show. Dude, I have never seen this before, and I'll tell you right now that this is probably one of my all-time favorite slashers. Now that I've seen it, oh man, it's so freaking badass, man. I know, and and I you know I even put that out on on. Um, Twitter and Facebook, and, P- and this one was a little more mixed than Intruder, which which I found which I find strange because I thought this was head and shoulders above both of the other movies that we've talked about tonight. Yeah. Um, so basically, uh, the movie starts off. You see soldiers; they're returning home from World War II. And yeah, like stock footage. Yeah, it's really cool, man, and it's I like how they did that. Yeah. Um, there were a lot of they they switched scenes really fast there, because that was followed by a Dear John letter. And it's yep. basically from Rosemary explaining that her World War II soldier boyfriend, who's coming home, that she can no longer be with him. So, um, bitch. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> Sorry, just teasing. <laughs> well, that, well, it's, I I would agree with that after the douche she chooses. The uh, oh, oh yeah, dude goes dude goes to war to you know to to uh, and and this we're not talking anywhere. We're not talking one of those morally questionable wars. We're talking about World War Mother F and two, you know. And she writes this note to go out with this little son of a bitch. He was an asshole, hey, man. He keeps talking about, oh, my daddy's got more money than his daddy. And I'm like, you're a dude. <laughs> oh, he just, <laughs> his car was badass, but he deserved to be popped in the face a few times. <laughs> or have a well, pitchfork shoved in his back. Which was kick ass. Not only did he have it shoved in his back, he had it, like, dug in like a shovel oh, into yeah. his back. And and that's the next scene. It basically cuts to them leaving the spring dance. And well, you know what you know what I noticed about the spring dance too is apparently some of the guys came back from the war, and I don't know if they'd heard about. I assume they'd heard about the dear John and whatever, or saw that this girl was was not with their military buddy, and you know, with this little douchebag. So he so the guy got kind of uncomfortable, and wanted to leave, you know, like a little pussy. All right, sorry. Am yeah. I, am, is my vehemence kind of <laughs> my vehemence kind of. What a dildo. Oh, that but guy, he was, he was a tool, dude. Yeah. Um, so they, they do, they leave, they go to, uh, they drive out to a gazebo that's at the end of a bridge. Yeah, good place to do it. Yeah, and, uh, you know, there's some heavy petting going on, and right as they Ow. hear a noise, it's too late, man. Get the pitchfork right through. It, it was like uh, Friday the 13th Part 2, the double impalement. Oh, yeah, and that was awesome. Yeah, and um, I liked how they left the rose there, man, for, like, dramatic effect, too, how the killer leaves a rose. Well, her name was Rosemary, man. Well, it was really cool, though. I thought it was cool. Agreed. <laughs> um, so we fast forward after that. It's basically 1980, and the college is preparing for the same kind of dance, the spring dance. And from, uh-huh. from there, it's pretty much chaos. <laughs> the prowler returns well, and basically starts elaborately knocking people off. You know, it's funny because now, is this the same type of deal? I And I maybe I, I, I think I picked up on this, but I also watched... My Bloody Valentine, so I may be getting this mixed up. Now, did they not hold that dance for 35 years? It kind of seems like of, that, dude. Yeah, and then, okay, 
and then they decided to do it, and then all of a sudden the Prowler comes back because he's pissed or whatever, you know? Yeah. Okay, because I didn't know, because that's exactly what happens in My Bloody Valentine, dude. Yeah. I mean, I'm I mean, pretty that, sure that's what that's, happened. Okay. Because uh, in, listen, I'm not I'm not criticizing it because I don't give a shit that this isn't the most original story in the world. Hey, this made up for it leaps and bounds. Dude, screw you, man. <laughs> well, easy. <laughs> I'm just messing. No, uh, I no, I agree though. I mean, I I thought that actually while watching this too, and I've seen this you know a million times, but I I thought that too. There, the stories are definitely there are a lot of parallels. Right. And but yeah, this one. I mean, I don't even know which one of those is better out of the two, but. I watched My Bloody Valentine based on how much I like this. And I'd seen, I seen, the, and I'm talking about the 1980, what was it, 1981 or something? The good one, I yeah. can't remember. Yeah, the, yeah, the good one. <laughs> well, the other one's good too if it's in 3D and there's boobies flying around. No. You know, and that was awesome, dude. Like, with that whole scene where she's running to that tractor, or, well, even before that. Or not tractor, the, oh, yeah. the, the semi. The, yeah, the, the truck. Oh, dude. But um, so I but I watched the 1980 version, and by the way, that does kick ass, especially since this was the first. I, I'd never seen the uh, the ones. I, I, and it's funny thing is, like last year when the 3D one came out, I bought the re-edited. What do you, what do you call it? Like they they put in some of the cutout. It was restored. Cut things. Oh yeah. Well, and so that was the first time I'd seen those extra scenes in there, and it they were freaking badass. Um, so, but I watched that, and I, I, just because there were a lot of parallels, I, I kind of got them mixed up. But I still think I like Prowler better. Oh, yeah, I, I do too. Um, and all those scenes, I mean, that was just Paramount being bitches again, man. Because those <laughs> scenes, why why would you have to cut those scenes out? They basically made uh, the kills meaningful. Dude, there was one especially good one where they the girl uh, lady gets stuffed into a dryer. And, you know, she's going back and forth, you know, you look in there and there's like her, like a dryer just tore the shit out of her skin and stuff, you know. And you can, and it's funny because in that cut, at least on the DVD I have, you can tell because the quality's not quite as sharp on that, on the um, parts that they added back to it. So you could tell exactly what was, what was re-added to the movie. And it's like, I would have been pissed. I guess I wouldn't have known what I'm missing, but I'm just pissed off that a lot of people didn't see those extra, extra scenes. Well, and I have—I know we're getting off topic, but I have friends who own the uh, the edited version, and they don't like yep. it as much. And I tell them to pick up the uh, pick up the unrated version. Oh, without a doubt, and you can you can actually watch the the uh, edited version on the same DVD. But I don't know why anybody would. Yeah, pussies. <laughs> well, you know what? The the standout thing in this movie for me was the fact that these kills were absolutely fantastic, and and this was, uh, what was his name, uh, Tom Savini did the special effects. And he, uh, I think, I can't remember exactly where I read it, either on IMDb or Wikipedia. He he thinks this is his best work. Oh, I agree, man, 100%. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, a pitchfork is one kick-ass weapon to take, you know, into a movie like this. Oh, man. I'll tell you what, dude, the bayonet, that or is, was that a bayonet that dude got through his head? I think it was. I think it was just a knife. Oh my god, it, dude! Maybe right. Yeah. When he's pulling yeah. that out and you see his eyes turning white and rolling back yes. out, oh, that that whole that kill, man, did it for me. That was just one of the <laughs> most brutal, badass fucking kills I've ever seen in a movie. No, and and you know what the thing is is even I can't. I mean, there it seemed like there were a couple of kills that were that weren't really exploited very much. But um, as far as uh, as far as like the ones that they really focused on. 
honestly, I don't know. I, I can't. I can think of a few kills in a few different movies that are as good. But I think overall, the consistency of these kills, uh, you know, especially for a slasher, which is the highlight of a slasher, any slasher movie, is the kills. I think this is as good as it gets. Oh yeah, definitely. Did you see? Uh, you know the girl who's who's swimming around the pool and she gets kicked in the face. Yeah. Did you see that she had to do that take 18 times? I did see that. <laughs> that I mean, and the thing is, is apparently it was some kind of a rubber or foam shoe or whatever. But that looked pretty real, man. Well, and I would think after 18 takes, it would start. You start to feel that. Absolutely. <laughs> but uh, I just thought that was kind of a funny fact, man, because I could just imagine that, dude. Uh, we didn't get that. Let's go take take uh, 17. Yeah. And she's getting kicked in the face. It's like, what are you going to get on 18 that you didn't get anyway? Uh, I'm not a director. I understand. But speaking of directors, this was directed by Joe Zito, who did, uh, what was it, number four, the final chapter? Oh, yeah, my favorite Friday the 13th. Oh, yeah, dude, because uh, you like it because uh, twin titties. Oh, dude, I like it because of all the titties in it. <laughs> I hate, but those girls are British, which makes them a little hotter. You know what? One other thing that I really liked about this movie, too, is that the... <laughs> is that the uh, um, killer's outfit was bad to the bone. I think that, and also, uh, especially the killer's outfit as it's uh, portrayed on the DVD cover art, that's got to be one of the best DVD covers in existence for a horror movie. Oh, it's cool, yeah. man. And I, and I don't really, I don't think it changed too much from the VHS either. Oh, really? Because, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've only seen the... Um, uh, the DVD one, so I, I but it, it seems like it, it seems like it came from that era, you know. Yes. I mean, you can tell a freaking uh, if a movie has its original art because there's nothing like VHS arts in the 80s, you know. Oh, that was the coolest, man, and that's why when they're re releasing this crap, they need to just put the original art on the damn DVD. Well, what and, and also, what about um, I know that uh, House of the Devil was supposed to be an 80s throwback, but I mean. People who buy these movies and who are still in these movies, I would say more than likely have some kind of attachment to 80s slashers, period. You know, or the, or the, or the, um, the, the feel, you know, because they all have a certain feel. They all have a certain, I don't, I, I, I don't know what, which uh, I think I don't know what translate, which translates. Which is fun, to. man. Yeah, well, and they're bad to the bone, you know, and I, I think that a lot, that, that, that adds a lot to the movie itself. You know, especially for, for those of us who are old fogies who actually experienced a lot of these movies in the 80s. <laughs> but, well, I didn't because I was, I was a late bloomer, but still. Yeah, well, I mean, that was the coolest thing about growing up, dude, is going to the video store and being able... They didn't check IDs when you were a kid, man, back in the well, 80s. Well, especially not back when they, were, uh, when they were mom and pop shops as opposed to now you have Hollywood and you have Blockbuster and, you know, and... and they're not gonna. They're, they're gonna be more stringent. But when you were going to like, like Bob's Big Videos, and you know they had the. I used to go into places where there were two or three places that had, um, like you know how they have like the porno room in the back. <laughs> these guys, these guys would have like horror rooms where they they would. Uh, there was a little room and they and they'd put like castle or, or creepy stuff outside the door. You walked into it and it was like a. It was decorated like a castle and you know all sorts of just kick ass stuff. And, you know, you're, when I was a really young kid, I was scared to go in there. And finally, you know, I got a little older and it was just, it was just so kick-ass, you know. And I, I think a lot of that goes along with why these 80s slashers are, are so, people have such a, uh, you know, a soft place in their heart for them, to be, to be perfectly honest with you. Because it, 
it sure as hell isn't all about the uh, dramatic qualities of it. No, and and these movies, like we were saying about you know Slaughter High and Intruder, I mean, they're all entertaining, man. They're I mean, there's not, I mean, even if they suck, they're entertaining. Depends. Like like I said, I didn't like Intruder, but the thing is, is I mean, this even though the, both of those were pretty cheesy, this one was a little bit, but not quite as bad. They played this straight up. Uh, as compared to those other two movies, don't you think? Oh yeah, I think so. And I, I, I'm not saying that 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 was why that's why it's better. I'm not saying that at all. But I am because because I mean, uh, Friday Thirteenth Part Four with with uh, which Joseph Zito uh, directed that wasn't played straight up. You know, most of the time that was all that was all just kind of kind of uh, picking on McFly for a while. And you know, whatever. <laughs> so I'm not saying that's like a that's like a ingredient for a successful or a good slasher because i think that that's not that there are so many different things that could be you know put into that equation or whatever so no i joseph zito man he should do more more stuff well it doesn't doesn't look like he's done a whole hell of a lot more besides um and i'm not looking at it right now but i remember looking at it uh uh, earlier today while i was putting my notes together thinking well you know i'm gonna list a couple of other things that he's done and um Really, there was really nothing of note. Maybe I missed something or whatever, but it seemed like those these were the two that I would care most about anyway. These are definitely the highlights of his career, man. And he has Savini on both of them, so... No, that's true. You know, at least he got uh, good special effects out of them. Oh, yeah, dude. Um, also, uh, the shotgun scene. Oh. No. Now, and we I won't go into any other... I won't say who got shotgun or whatever. There was a shotgun through the head that freaking was sick. You know, in more ways than one, I guess. Definitely. This thing did that false ending, too, that I really like in horror movies where it's a false happy ending. Right. And they actually did it twice, which I really liked, man, because the first time you're like, oh, well, that caught me off guard. And the second time you're like, holy shit, again? (laughs) (laughs) You know, the funny thing is, is uh, is I had a kick in the balls to give out. And I was pretty, I was like, and I don't want to tell you about it because it ends up, if I told you what it was, and then, then uh, you found out the reasoning why this person did what he did. It would ruin the movie. Oh yeah. But other than that, I mean, it's it's uh, the only the only kick in the balls I could I could think of is the main girl, like in the '80s, looks like my freaking wife's cousin, who's a male. Oh. And it really freaked it freaked me out the whole time, man. And she's not ugly. I mean, she doesn't look exactly like him, but she looks enough like him to freak me out. Are you talking about the the main girl, Pam? Like the blonde, yeah. <laughs> She looks like my wife's cousin, dude. Wow. He's like he, he's like a senior in high school. And it was free, it was really freaking me out. The memory count on this one was eleven. Yeah, Damn. there was one awesome scene where what the girl in the the girl in the shower gets uh, pitchforked. Right underneath the boobies, too, man. Oh, they were. Oh, and that was good, wanna, man. I don't want to waste a good set of breasts. <laughs> man. Yeah, it was a good one too. That's awesome. My kick in the balls for this movie actually goes to the. Uh, the hotel clerk at the Okoe Lodge. Uh, yeah, because he, he, pre- he pretended to go get somebody. Well, he's just a fat, lazy douche, man. And <laughs> the thing, was it not creepy the way when they, they're they hanging up the phone with him? The way he, he tells him, like he says, all right, I'll tell him. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, you yeah. sound like a pedophile, man. <laughs> he did, dude. <laughs> no, you know, I... I know exactly what you're saying on that one. That guy, That's... seriously, when he leaves his job as a hotel clerk, he gets in his windowless van, and, well, first of all, he's got to get all the shackles and shit organized. Oh, sick. And then he drives home. 
Well, you can't call him a fat lazy because if he does all that, he's probably bushed when it comes time to go to work. Oh, yeah, it does make get sense. Off, get off his back, dude. <laughs> Diddling <laughs> takes it out of you. Yuck. Oh, I know, right? <laughs> but uh, that was my kick in the balls, dude. No, uh, I think that was well-deserved. <laughs> um, you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I'm going to give this one a bone saw. Yeah, I do too, man. Bone saw. Oh, good. Oh, all good. the way. You know, I don't... It's funny because whenever I... Th- Whenever I have the thought to give a movie a bone saw, I think to myself, all seriously, how the bone saw is a highly coveted award given out by the Cadaver Lab podcast. Do I dare give it out? And I definitely think this is worth it. This deserves it. Oh, yeah, man, definitely. I have a What Did I Learn? Well, let's hear it. Uh, Hour-long showers are not at all suspicious. I learned that. (laughs) That girl was in the shower forever. She was. She definitely was. And her roommate was just like, "Uh, I'll shut the door for you. (laughs) Yeah. That's uh, right, because she came all the way back because she got something spilled on her. And, uh, yeah, she was still, she'd been at the party for like a half hour. Oh, yeah, dude. And uh, I also learned that sometimes the dead are into autoerotic asphyxiation. Asphyxiation, yes. Good one. I don't want to say why, but people need to see that. <laughs> Very good scene. Yeah. Um, I have uh, I have uh, a kick in the balls for uh, I you know I don't know if it's a kick in the balls, but maybe it's something that I learned about this movie. That uh, you ever been to like an NBA game and you're watching and there's that that little uh, it's the the halftime show where that lady's got like this uh, uh, like a hula hoop with some fabric coming off of it and she changes her clothes in like one second yeah well you know that doesn't just happen at halftime shows because when that girl went went to the, her apartment in that part to change her clothes she was done in like three seconds change fully changing her clothes so i guess i can't give that lady shit anymore <laughs> um i have a who else uh two who else said that's too it's here i know i said i loved you but i'm young and have to live my life now that was soon ye to woody allen oh snap <laughs> and uh <laughs> George left you in charge here. Can't you keep those damn kids, un- damn kids under control? That was Rosie the Robot to Jane Jetson. <laughs> Defiling the Jetson's good name. Um, I did learn another thing, and that was uh, don't live in a town with one sheriff and one deputy, especially if they're pussies. Well, especially if the sheriff's going out of town on a damn fishing trip. Right, exactly. Because they had one guy in charge of the whole town. And he, you know, I mean, I guess he was doing his best, but obviously he wasn't, uh, he wasn't aggressive enough, but whatever. Made for a great movie. <laughs> I, uh, I have a six degrees also. Tyr- Lawrence Tyranny, who played, uh, I think he played Major Chatham. He was in Eddie Presley with Bruce Campbell. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and, and also, apparently Bruce Campbell. Dude, I, I did a six degrees and it took me like four steps. Did it really? Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> well, I, apparently Bruce Campbell and Tarantino, Quentin Tarantino, are both uh, asylum attendants in that movie. Really? And, yeah, and it has a bunch of people in it, dude. It has, uh, I think, uh, Ted Ray. What's this movie again? It's called Eddie Presley. Eddie Presley? Yeah, it's about a guy with he's got mental problems and he wants to. He's like making his goal in life to play one last show as Elvis at this like dive bar. Hmm. I don't know. I, I've, I've never, never seen even it. Never heard of it. I haven't, the cast is pretty decent, though. No, Bruce is in it. Well, hell yeah, dude. That's all you need to say. Leatherface is in it, too, man. Man, I think that's pretty much it for that. Do you have anything else for this one? No, I think that's uh, I think that's uh, basically... I just can't stress enough how much I enjoyed it. That's it. Yeah, dude, this all movie is great, man. Absolutely. Did you want to talk so, at all about the next episode? or? 
Yeah, I, I was actually going to bring that up. I can't remember exactly what we decided on for next episode. Oh, you were calling it the Unholy Quad. Oh, that's right. The Unholy Quad, which sounds like some kind of a tor- sexual genital torture device. <laughs> and it may be. Well, you don't have an Unholy Quad? Oh, man, I'm getting one. <laughs> what movies are we doing? We are doing The Sentinel. We are doing uh, House of the Devil. We're doing, t- oh, man, The Blood on Satan's Claw. Oh, that's right. And uh, the fourth movie is Night of the Demon. The 1957 or something? Yeah, I think it's 57. Something like that. So No, it, I'm I'm excited for that. Yeah, dude, this going to be awesome, man. Um, I mean, a few of these movies I haven't seen, so I'm pretty pretty excited about seeing them. Yeah, you and me both. The, we call it the Unholy Quad because they're all de- dealing with either Satan or Satan's Oh, yeah, there's definitely going to be some... Cor- was, that, was that dramatic enough for it, you? It was. You need to put some reverb there, man. Satan. <laughs> Satan. <laughs> but, oh, yeah, that kicks ass, man. We'll see a lot of pentagrams in these movies, I'm sure. I hope we do. If we don't, we're, give, we're, we're giving our money back. It's awesome. But I, I promise you, we will have voicemails figured out. We're going to keep... I think... Here's what we're going to do. I think we're going to... But uh, for I think we just have too many to go, and I, I can't remember if I said this the whole time. But we're going to keep all the ones that we got for 50, and all the ones that we get for 51, and we're going to play them. And I don't blame anybody if they don't really call in, because they probably don't trust me again. <laughs> but that uh, the voicemail line is 206-339-2730. That is 206-339-2730. You can also email us as well. You need to email Johnny at uh, johnny at cadaverlab.com, because... He just needs to make sure that email works, right? Yeah, dude. <laughs> <laughs> or, or you can do uh, Mike at cadaverlab.com. I actually, but, yeah. I've been getting some email love uh, from Gracie's Poppy and Misfit Boy. Oh, cool. Oh, awesome. Here's some good Sweet. feedback, man. I'm really, really excited about that. I think, I think it's, uh, like I said, I think it's just going to keep getting better. So, pretty stoked, man. Sweet. So, you got anything else? No, I think that's it, man. All right. So, for the Cadaver Lab, we will see ya. Bitches. Bitches.